0: Now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny, active days. Or you might just be looking for a quick meal to heat up for all the big summer pro wrestling shows that you're going to settle in for and watch at home. Well, Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and they can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for reaching your goals. If you're too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well with Factor, skip that extra trip to the grocery store, the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and save money compared to delivery. Plus, you don't have to wait around for it, and it's not greasy fried stuff that's cold by the time you get it. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy and then get back outside to soak up the warm weather or settle in for a good meal while watching wrestling. You can stick to your wellness goals with premium, ready-to-eat meals featuring high-quality ingredients. Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon, ready in just two minutes. There are vegetarian, vegan, and protein-plus options depending on your diet choices. They also feature lunch-to-go options, effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go, no microwave required. They also have calorie-smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving. But the nutrient density will give you the fuel you need to get through the day. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. So this July, get Factor and enjoy eating well, without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. I am a customer. I love Factor Meals. I enjoy picking the meals out from the selection each week and looking forward to trying some new things and having some of my Factor favorites. So head to factor75.com slash Wade50 or use code Wade50 to get 50% off. That's code Wade50 at factor75.com slash Wade50 to get 50% off.
1: Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's AEW Dynamite on TNT.
0: So Eric, we've got Wembley's Stadium's All-In event starting to take shape. Some matches official. We even got a pre-show match announced, which is interesting. I'm thinking, Colin... MJF going after the ROH titles is a little bit related to the ROH or to to the uh, Roderick Strong storyline, but also just a way to get people to tune in early and free and maybe convert some of them to pay-per-view buyers. What what do you make of that, getting MJF to wrestle twice in one night and MJF drawing attention to um, how absurd that sounds to someone like him?
1: Boy, I sure wouldn't risk my main event of my big show that today according to Ticks, has surpassed the 1992 WWF SummerSlam London previous version of Wembley Stadium show uh, by a couple hundred tickets, north, north of 79,000 um, distributed. I sure wouldn't risk uh, one of those two getting hurt and being unable to come out for the main event uh, of the show. Um, you know, I mean, I guess if they didn't want to do what WWE used to do with the odd couple tag team who wins the titles before the pay-per-view main event with the actual AEW tag team titles, I guess maybe they could do that here. Um, I wondered whether that pre-show match, who are, is, uh, is it Aussie open who are the tag team champions of ROH? Yeah. I mean, it would, it would be a good match if MJF and Cole could go at full speed, which they really can't. I I assume it's, it's what you said, sell some pay-per-views get people to click buy, Uh And maybe it's to set up an angle to explain the finish of the main event. I mean, I think MJF probably retains against Adam Cole and they need a way out. And so I wonder, does Roderick Strong and or the kingdom cost Adam Cole the main event uh, after something that happens during the during the pre-show match? That's the best I can figure. It's very low stakes. I mean, if they were going to put the the Yaro H tag team titles on Cole and MJF, you would do that before the pay-per-view. So, you know, I I don't know how you, I don't know what your finish is of that match. If you're not going to have them win, you don't really want either (laughs) MJF or Cole to take a fall on the, uh, on the pre-show before their main eventing and undercutting their credibility. So I don't know. It's a pre-show match. Maybe you do a rare DQ angle, um,
0: there, there's Eric. There's still time for MJF to magnanimously let Cole team with with Roderick Strong, um, and try to spin it as a positive. But it really is a way to wear down Adam Cole. And but he makes it seem like, hey, you've got two friends. You should do Roddy this 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 favor. Although Roddy's embraced um, Matt Taven and. Mike Bennett, so I don't know. I mean, we've got a few weeks to tell the story here. I am I, I mean, the, I, everything you said is possible, and all the things that you're saying are are challenges in, in terms of, do they win the tag titles? Or do they have one of them lose going into the main event? I mean, I figure they've thought that stuff through, and it'll make sense somehow. I don't rule out MJF and Cole winning the tag titles. I mean, and then wrestling later, I mean, I, I could see that. I don't, I don't see any reason, like, strong reason not to. It's not like it wouldn't give a boost to ROH's tag titles to have them with them, even if it is sort of a, a, you know, a bit of a proper background undercurrent story for the big one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very, it just feels very low stakes. ROH is hardly mentioned on AEW television anymore. Thank God for that. Um, I guess it's a way after uh, all in for the, the Cole and MJF team to continue, right? They have these tag titles that they defend in quotes on show after show, right. As a way to, you know, as long as it's drawing ratings, they seem uh, seem like they're going to continue that, that them holding the tag titles would provide a way to continue putting them on television together. And they're, you're not desecrating the, the AEW tag team titles that FTR have done their level best to try and reestablish after a bit of a down period. And I, I guess I just, you know, the RO the the, the, the pro, they need to lay a better foundation though, as you as you note, they have a few weeks to do it. Two two dynamites and three collisions. Well, probably not collision. Two dynamites and to to establish to, to rehab the ROH tag titles, or and or reintroduce us to Aussie Open will be the opponents, and to establish on TV Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. And and Roderick Strong, for that matter, is something more than you know undercard afterthought, right? Because um, you know you could set up a Cole and MJF versus the Kingdom tag team ROH tag team title match after the pay- after the pay per view, uh, if you want, if they go that route. But a um, little more work to do to uh, to flesh this one out.
0: Let's uh, talk about the trampoline park skit and then kind of work our way into we some of the to? other stuff. Well, <laughs> yeah, um I mean we we ought to. Um it was on the show. Uh I mean it's played for camp. There's I don't know. I mean, I would do it differently. I think there's a way to sort of pull off what they're doing sort of uh better than they are. Uh I know MJF, he's like I'm still I'm still an asshole, but you know, I'm turning a new leaf, but then he's pelting kids in the face with with ball, with with you know uh, dodgeballs, and then all the kids are are in, you know cartoons, selling and laying with their tongues hanging out on the ground, and multiple camera angles with invisible cameras getting reaction shots. It's just, it's just, it's more campy than I'm gonna, going to embrace, but it, it I could live with it more so if it didn't just go against you know the conversation that followed. which is oh, MJF's turned a new leaf, and it's like, no, he's pelting kids in the head with dodgeballs and then the whole thing is if you complain about that or point it out then people are like oh you're taking it too seriously and so you sort of throw your hands up and you just go you know whatever i mean i guess it's just sort of in another narrative universe that the fun shtick is going on with mgf and cole which sort of in isolation is fun they have good chemistry it's funny but i don't know eric you said "Why do we have to uh you talked. what do you think
1: yeah, I mean, I haven't liked any of the out of ring shtick, the, the the Chinese restaurant that they went to a few weeks ago in Boston. I thought they'd kind of moved beyond that, and and because most of the story has been in ring in recent weeks or in ring live promos, right? Um, and so that's that's better, right? I, that, that's more traditional pro wrestling. All of these these tape skits are just very NXT garbage. And NXT is terrible these days with these green... I mean, it, it's ter- in, intentionally terrible with these green wrestlers reciting their wooden promos. Um, They've almost caught know, up to
0: Dynamite, Eric. Biggest rating yeah. in over two years last night.
1: Yeah, well, they you know, th- this kind of stuff, it's it's basically <laughs> the same. It's just slightly better acted with MJF and Cole, and yeah. only slightly. But, you know, you, you had this... I guess everyone of a certain age. I, I I can't imagine they play dodgeball in gym class anymore, right? Way too politically incorrect for grade schools. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess probably in Texas and Florida they do, but not in um, not in your blue states because it. Is there a game that uh, makes you feel worse about yourself than dodgeball? Uh, Just getting, you know, being unathletic and getting pelted in the face or your private parts. Um, And so there is that universality. There was that dodgeball movie that's, you know, pop culture uh, phenomenon that I've never actually seen. Um, You know, and then you end this sketch if it's already not bad enough sticky and lame a little girl flipping off coal so we uh so we had who's trying to be the good guy and get mjf to uh stop pelting the kids she flips them off and calls them losers and so you add you know crass classlessness as the as the cherry on the Sunday. um I, look i know it gets ratings but I don't like it. It's the, the bloodline uh, storyline in WWE with the exception of a, a little bit of the Sami Zayn part of it is not for me. I don't need, you know, it's just this week after week stuff. Just the way, I, the way WWE is doing it. They just dragged it on for three years. And so I, my eyes are in the back of my head at this point, because it's just bad community theater acting as uh, voices of wrestling. Joe Lanza has described it. And, um, my fear, for if I'm AEW, is that they teased an MJF Cole appearance. And did the fans think this was the only appearance of the show? Or I, I don't recall if they said, you know, this isn't it. They're going to be at the top of the hour to do a promo because we're desperate, try, to desperately trying to keep ratings as we try and uh, finalize our new TV contract. Um, you know, if you tuned out after you thought you got your fix of MJF and Cole, well, you missed a big in-ring angle. So I, I don't know if uh, if that if if that's going to cut into the eight o'clock thing, or people normally tune in at eight o'clock anyway, uh, Central Time nine o'clock for you East Coast folks.
0: Thank you for subscribing to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Don't forget, we got a whole lineup of other shows called the PW Torch Daily Casts. It's free. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app. A different show on a different topic throughout the week, including shows dedicated to AEW, NXT, MMA, Ring of Honor, and more. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app, or check out links to the latest shows at our main website, pwtorch.com. Okay, so there's lots to talk about with this. I, I, let's do it after we do our introduction here because um, there's multiple things you said and multiple other aspects of this that I want to delve into. We've got an email we might take early. We also are going to talk some collision since we didn't do a collision post show on Saturday, Eric, because of SummerSlam. Uh, we're going to talk some collision with our planned on-site correspondent. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say, well, yeah, planned. I mean, from uh, Saturday night, uh, but we couldn't really officially plan it because we didn't do a, a live post show. So anyway, we're gonna have James from Clemson on to talk about that in a few minutes. But let's, like I said, introduce the show formally here, and then we'll explore Cole and Jeff a little bit more for ratings, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to other topics. A lot more to talk about here. Got some emails on the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, uh, and um, yeah, a couple counter uh, a pro and a con on the uh, Cole MGF in the mailbag too. This is a Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Covering AEW Dynamite, I'm Wade Keller, the host of the show, the editor, publisher, and founder of Pro Wrestling Torch, the weekly print newsletter, the website, pwtorch.com, and various podcasts, including many VIP-exclusive podcasts, including Everything with Rich and Wade that dropped yesterday, and The Fix with Todd Martin that'll drop tomorrow. We're also uh, running 18 years ago, classic podcast from the early years of doing VIP shows, putting those up on the VIP feed. Also, delving into the build for Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan and all the petty immaturity that went on there. Uh, The fallout of the Matt Hardy Edge Lita uh, stuff. It's just it's it's. I get I get caught up listening back to my Wade Keller hotlines, just fascinated with things I've forgotten uh, that I reported back then about things going on behind the scenes. So, um, lots of cool stuff on the VIP side of things. Too much to list here, but we welcome you to go VIP.
1: Are you saying you love the sound of your own voice, Wade? Is that uh, what you're saying here?
0: You know what? It's it's it's. I would say I'm neutral on that, Eric. Just to be honest, I I wouldn't say I love it. I wouldn't say I cringe. It's just the information that I've forgotten uh, about. You know what? I I'm not kidding when I when I say this. I listen to those and I try to remember my sources because <laughs> it's been so long. Like, I forgot who I talked to to get all this inside information. And it's crazy. Like, I, I can't believe how much I've forgotten about, like, who is telling me this stuff. I have to, I have notes in my, like, in a safe, like, that are just hidden away. Um, and someday I got to go through them and be like, oh, that's right. That person told me that. I've done that before when I've cleaned out my office. I'm like, oh, wow, that was a really cool conversation with me. <clears throat> um, but anyway. Enough on that. So go VIP, everybody, if you want to uh, get a nostalgia kick. Plus our post-pay-per-view roundtables from that era, too. A What was it? Judgment? Was it a ju- judgment day that, we, that we're that posting this week? And It was just like an awful, bland uh, pay-per-view that we reviewed. But there's some you know good ones in there, too. Anyway, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. So much great stuff. Uh, you can listen to anything on demand, but we also uh, feed you stuff through our, our uh, VIP exclusive podcast feed. Also, and uh, you get an ad-free version of the website and more. So go VIP, everybody. All right. So um, the other voice you hear is Eric Kroll, who you can read in our newsletter archives going on uh, well well over 30 years ago. He was a processing torch columnist, and he is back after taking many years off, missing the John Cena years. Poor Eric. Uh, But he is back. Uh, just in time to see the rise and downfall of the New Japan G1 tournament as a yearly highlight. And uh, and and then AEW becomes something that wasn't what pulled him in in the first place. Eric Kroll, welcome to the Coves chair. Thank you. I mean, in my defense, I couldn't see John Cena, right? Sort of yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Always great having you on. Uh, so um, I look forward to talking more about tonight's show as we go on. If you uh, are live streaming the show and haven't called in yet, but you might want to converse with us and you want to agree, you want to disagree, you want to bring up different points, uh, you're welcome. You're invited to. Our number is 347-215-8558. That's 347-215-8558. When you call push one, that'll flag you on our switchboard so we know you want to be on the show. You can also email us, Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. We'd love to hear from first-time callers, long-time listeners, newer listeners. Consider yourself invited. All right. Uh, I think that takes care of that business. So let's get back to our conversation about MJF and Cole. Um, th- this, there's no particular order to some of these topics regarding this. But does MJF going to town on Cole in a promo contest that Cole didn't actually want Um is that helpful or is it counter? Let's just ask it straight up. Is it counterproductive to just lay out like Miz did to La Knight to a degree um, on Raw, like, or more so Cena did to Austin Theory because La Knight was able to stand up for himself and, and I think did a good job on Monday. But um, is it good to call him Noodle Arms and pale and all you know like the things that like frankly Vince McMahon probably thought about him or we know he thought about Adam Cole or is it? harmless uh to do that because you know cole is pale and does have noodle arms he doesn't have noodle arms eric what do you think of that um
1: i mean i tend to be more of a purist about this stuff so i think you should be building up your opponent before <laughs> a match because if you tear your opponent down then you've beat nobody right yeah. it's why rick flair would let the jobbers last a few minutes with him right um because maybe he beat somebody unless it was like one of the Mulkey twins or, you know, whatever on a, in in the 1980s in in mid Atlantic and NWA. Um, I I think this crowd, the the crowd that, that they're doing this stuff for, I don't think it's going to much matter with them. I think it was just another little, they tease the dissension every week. Right. Um, and this was, this also was MJF sort of, reverting to back to form like what you would expect from him after his promo. I think it was last week where he talked about all of his various mental health conditions that he has um, that make him incapable of giving and receiving love, you know, roughly. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think I I think it was just a little if they would have gone on with it more, you might have done lasting damage. But but, you know, it's it's MJF doing what MJF does, what you expect him to do he doesn't know how to make friends and this is evidence of that right he, he doesn't know how to be a friend and then it's Cole trying to keep him you know smartly keep him on track um get him back to talking about the match right uh which is you know really the money here is is the match and getting people to, who, to want to pay for MJF versus Adam Cole in the all-in main event
0: uh, Roderick Strong. Um, is MJF too on the nose when he uh, critiques him and called him the weirdo, jealous ex-girlfriend vibes that he's giving off and a simp um, and a generic white person? Uh, it, or is it just funny? Like, people want to see MJF pull up, pull you know, go all Don Rickles on, on, on these people? Or d- d- is it just taking... Is it, is it sort of destroying Roderick Strong, who doesn't have a lot going for him, and then you got Shivani, you know, uh, jumping up, jumping in and going, yeah, Strong is a wet blanket and all this, and and uh, Excalibur goes, well, he's trying to defend Cole or look out for Cole, but he's been proven wrong. So now we've got Excalibur buying into MJF as uh, as sincere. Um, is is Roderick Strong going to come out of this okay, or doesn't it matter because he's joining heels and people can boo him? <laughs>
1: Well, I think MJF buried him the most tonight by calling him a bland bitch because I think the crowd started chanting it then, Um, which is, boy, that's not where you want to be if you're Roderick Strong. Now, if Roderick Strong, if you thought maybe they had bigger plans for him, you know, to be pushed as a top guy, not a good move, but I don't think that's the case. I think – I suspect if they continue with MJF and Cole as a, as a buddy duo past all in and all out that, you know, Roddy and the kingdom are being set up to feud with them as sort of a, um, you know, their next feud. Right. And you want to put, you know, Cole and and MJF are going over in that kind of feud. So it doesn't really matter if, uh, Roddy isn't, I guess, firmly established as like a big top level challenger. Although they did have Roddy beat Chris Jericho in the Cole Jericho feud, um, so kind of a kind of a wasted chance to establish him as as a top guy. But that, that ship has long sailed um, since since they've since sacrificed Roddy to uh, Samoa Joe in the in Collision on the in the Owen Hart tournament. I don't know. I mean. Th- the rock showed that you can be a bully and insult the heck out of people who are lesser than you and fans will eat it up. Like it's the best dinner they ever had. Right. So y- y- there's a reason that, um, LA Knight is doing his rock stone cold, uh, cosplay. And, uh, cause they're two of the most overacts in the history of pro wrestling. Right. And it's been long enough that you can like a band stealing, uh, stealing the sound, like when Oasis came along and stole the sound of the Beatles, right? Well, 20, 30 years had passed since the Beatles were were a thing. 25 years, maybe. And so you can do that, and the fans know the notes, and they, they recognize the notes, and that helps you get over. Um, uh, but, you know, it's so, I guess, if it's, if it's somebody else, if it's a fellow main eventer, like, you wouldn't want to see it necessarily, MJF calling Kenny Omega a bland bitch, because that would be bad for one of their top paid guys but uh, roddy strong can can take it on the chin
0: yeah yeah We'll, we'll talk kenny and the bucks coming up too
2: in 2012 nxt transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today on the torch vip podcast nxt eight years back we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in nxt's early history
0: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for Torch VIP members. Let's, let's table more of the MJF Cole discussion for the mailbag, because we got, like I said, um, from glancing at the email, somebody very against it, somebody who, who was for it, and we'll delve more into that coming up, and then we'll also hit other topics. I do want to go to our uh, on-site correspondent from Saturday night for uh, who attended Collision in Greenville, South Carolina. This is uh, James in Clemson. Uh, James, glad we could have you on tonight after having to skip Saturday night. Welcome hey Wade hey uh Eric how are you guys doing doing good. good how are you
3: I'm good can you guys hear me okay I have you on Bluetooth so I can read my notes
0: yeah you actually sound really good for Bluetooth so no problem okay cool yeah so Sweet. so, so um, yeah yeah um so yeah just first of all what well, just kind of your overall impression of of the event what was it a great experience met your expectations was it a letdown uh, talk about that a little bit just kind of in general
3: Yeah, so honestly, I've been to quite a few shows, especially around here, and I thought the atmosphere for this show was one of the best atmospheres I've been at in a long time. I think it may be, like, the hype for the show, but also, like, the hype around Collision lately because it's been a very popular show lately. Um, And I will say, like, I felt like they did a really good job of hyping the show up beforehand. Uh, They had on the radio the Rise guys that I listened to they had FTR on there and um, it was cool listening to Cash talk about how he listened to the Rise guys growing up too. So it was just cool listening to him say that he listens to the same guys that I do. Um, And just, I thought there was a lot of like social media videos for the show and every single radio station had ads on it. So, uh, and it was all promoting, you know, this is AEW's first show in Greenville. So it was just pretty cool to, See uh, that they actually put in the work for that. And then when we got there, I thought it was a very crazy atmosphere, like from the get go before even going in the building. It's, there's something about the Carolinas where if you walk into the building and one person under their breath just lets out a little woo, you're going to create a chain reaction of woos that go around the whole building like three times. And so uh, that was going on. And then there was one guy dressed as Flair, who was making everybody laugh when we walked in the door, and he called himself the Asian Rich Flair, so it was pretty hilarious, and uh, just a really good atmosphere.
0: Very good. Eric, do you want to jump in with a uh, question for James early here? Sure. Um, So the show,
1: as I'm remembering what happened on it with the aid of a recap uh, that I'm reading online it was, you know, starts off with an FTR tag team title match and ended with a really, really long C M Punk Jay White match Jay White, Ricky Stark's match. And then in between there were like three or four basic squash matches where you kinda knew who the winner was. Did did the crowd the crowd was was, was the crowd up in the beginning and then again for the main event and kind of dead in the middle, or how was the crowd reaction throughout?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think that people were too upset about like knowing who the winners were going to be, because I was talking to my friend about it while I was there, you know, it was cool. We got like four title matches on the show, but there wasn't a single title match that we didn't know who the winner was going to be. But I think people more so reacted to the stars than they did to the actual matches.
1: Um. What was it like during that main event? Did you feel it was the right length? Did you feel it was um, uh, too long? Um, yeah. I, honestly,
3: I thought it was the right length. Uh, and it was crazy because when we first got there, they mentioned CM Punk's name a few times, and it just let out like a ton of booze. And I was like, "Oh boy, it's <laughs> going to be one of those nights." Because I'm I'm a huge CM Punk fan myself. So that, and that's who I was dare to see more or less uh but then um when he actually came out uh there it kind of turned more 50 50 uh lots and lots of people were for CM Punk there were some people around me who were talking about how we we prefer CM Punk uh and then when they started the dueling chant between Punk and Stark's uh I swear that thing felt like it went on forever, and I, we may have made it through the whole match. If <laughs> there did. was something that happened with Punk that kind of stopped it, but <laughs> yeah, it was strong.
0: So, kind of expand, James, uh, on on the the pro and con with CM Punk because I I you know the, the the people who don't like Punk really like expressing that, and you just conveyed that like they're really loud. But it does seem that once the ring entrance subsides, maybe after ring introductions, maybe a little bit into the match. Every step of the way, the punk fans get louder, and it turns into kind of feeling more 50-50, not very anti-punk. So just kind of talk about the ebb and flow or or the way that that progressed, and if any aspect of that uh, surprised you.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you've had callers talking about punk in the past to have kind of hit the nail on the head. What happens is his music hits, and everybody cheers. Everybody's super happy, all pro-punk. And then when the music goes off, the booze start to just rain in uh, and they're loud. And I think the booze almost kind of piss off the CM Punk fans even more. So we start chanting punk louder and then they start chanting, uh, let's go Ricky louder. (laughs) And so, like I said, I really think that chant could have gone the whole night uh, if if whatever happened didn't happen because we were just having fun going back and forth. There's people around me who are uh, going one way. And then we were just kind of like having fun and messing with each other with the dueling chance back and forth with each other. Um, I guess it, it's hard to explain without being there in person to see it for yourself. But yeah. Uh, yeah and, but I will say by the end of the match, after this, everything happened with steamboat, Ricky was getting 100% booed by everybody. Uh, there was no more fifty-fifty when the steamboat stuff happened.
0: What? What? Do you think the anti-punk stuff is like? Anti-punk? We don't like this guy, and it's like really strong feelings. Like, not, I don't say hatred, but you know, like, like in it, it, you know, we're so pro the elite, or we're so tired of your act, or whatever. Or does it seem softer? Like it's sort of the thing to do but those fans are getting one over. Cause it's, you know, the, the, the question is are fans being won over or do they just get it out of their system? And then, you know, the, the, the ones who were, were more willing to cheer pump kind of get louder as things go on, but no one's minds are changing. So I guess I, what's your sense the characteristic of, of the chant? Is it in fun or is it kind of intense?
3: Um, I'd say it's kind of like, it, it really reminds me of Cena. Like it's, It's intense, but it's also the thing to do, if that makes sense. And, like, I think it has a lot to do with the elite and uh, just kind of being on the side of the elite. But also, like, I, I feel like it's kind of the thing to do among people. And if you really kind of deeply know what's going on and you care about that, then you're kind of on the CM Punk side because I noticed the people who are chanting punk are kind of, like, they have a lot of things to say about the elite, but the people who are booing punk are just like, I hate seeing punk, you know, but if you like punk, you're kind of saying like, I I don't like this about the elite. I don't like that about them. Punk's just telling the truth, you know, and that's the sense I got at least from the people around me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, So uh, anything else that that you want to compare James or that you want to mention James on the uh, punk Starks match, anything in your notes, sir, that you're thinking of?
3: Uh, no, um, uh, Ricky Steamboat was really over being in the Carolinas. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And I was watching the show back, uh, the next day. And I thought it was really cool to see the announcers actually explain what this title was that punk was holding. I thought they did a good job of that. Like, and that's something you're not going to see Excalibur do. (laughs) Um, I thought they did a really good job of that and then just, for me, I, I've always been a huge CM Punk fan, so the fact that I get to go to a show and watch CM Punk in a title match in 2023 <laughs> was just a really cool experience, and it, it was all around just something I'll never forget.
0: Uh, talk about FTR. Uh, they played up the hometown thing, uh, Cash Wheeler's mom in the audience. I know they're, they've been you a know, little frustrated with some crowds lately, uh, not appreciating 58 minutes, as Dax has mentioned a couple times. And, um, and fans siding with MJF and Cole and, uh, you know, the, the campy shenanigans with them. Uh, t- talk about the reaction that they got against two pretty solid heels, Big Bill and Brian Cage. And also talk about what stood out to me is just Big Bill seemed to really be into getting crowd heat with the, 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 the weird dance he was doing and really playing, playing, uh, playing up being an obnoxious heel. And, and talk about whether that seemed to get a real big rise out of the crowd. Part of that was during the uh, split screen break, so we couldn't really hear the reaction from the crowd
3: yeah um, okay so first of all after the show was over FTR came back out and uh, they said "Um, they, they were like okay the Carolinas used to be horseman country and everybody throws up their fours but they were like it, is it safe to say that after the night we can now refer to the Carolinas as FTR country and everybody cheered that because I think the Carolinas are FTR country now all, all the way uh, just everything that was going on in the area, on the radio. Um, honestly, I've watched these guys in Spartanburg, which is up the road, in small shows uh, years ago, and, like, they were tearing the house down. It was with NXT at the time, but they were tearing the house down then and still uh, playing into the local stuff. So the FTR match was very, very over. uh needless to say. Um, uh, I will say on the big pass subject... Um, There were a lot of people chanting "We want Enzo," and then uh, there were people doing a counter chant of saying "No, we don't." So
0: that was kind of
3: going on while he was doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I thought that was kind of interesting. But I I thought Cass—I really thought Cass was kind of the heel star of that match too. Brian Cage is cool, but he just—he needs to figure out if he's a big guy or, or a big guy who does flips i i don't know how to explain it but it, like he just needs to figure out who he is to me um whereas big cast knows who he is uh and um it, it just really shows
0: thanks for downloading today's show take it to the next level with a vip membership get shows like this the Wake killer Sync podcast Wake killer Sync post show and the pw torch daily casts on our pw torch vip podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content and the ad-free listening experience. pwtorch.com/govip Yeah, I commented in my review of Collision um, in, in print and also in the Wade Keller hotline for VIP members that they should be doing more with Big Bill. You know, I mean, I, I'm not saying he should be like they're, they're a top three centerpiece heel necessarily, but just throwing him in a tag team with no character development and having him just, you know, carry the weight of getting crowd heat based on his own actions with with the the least inventive name since Mr. JL for the Mass Jerry Lynn. Um, it is just, it, I think it's under. Under serving his potential, um, whatever that potential is, it's not going to be reached the way that they're they're uh, they're utilizing him at this point. Um, so, uh, Chris Statlander um, and Mercedes Martinez. When about ten minutes uh, did that challenge the crowd's attention span? And how would you how would you characterize the crowd reaction to both of those women?
3: Yeah. um my my wife was with me, and she actually really liked. Statlander a lot. I think it had a lot to do with the glitter. But but she was really into that match. But as far as the crowd goes, I would say it kind of had the bathroom break type match feel, uh, which is unfortunate because I thought it was a decent match and probably the best Statlander match. But it's just a case of I don't really know much about Statlander like besides the Few things I've seen at like the press conferences, and like I, I just don't see her getting in the ring and cutting a promo, you know. Um, and so I think that's what's really missing from her. Uh, and um, but I, I think, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the main thought on that. I will say Willow was super over when she came out at the end of that match, so uh, and but a lot of people. Oh, and nobody had any clue who Diamante was until we saw it later on the jumbotron. So there was
0: that too. Oh man, <laughs> there is that too. Uh, how, how did uh, Samoa Joe uh, get over with the crowd? Was he treated as like a big star, or did you were you disappointed at maybe in how fans reacted to him?
3: Oh, big big star. Um, yeah. He was unexpected. I, I, when I was watching the show, it seemed like they announced uh, Samoa Joe earlier on in the show, but for us in attendance, nobody had no was no idea he was going to be there. So when his music hit, the crowd popped hard, and I'd say it was probably one of the top uh, pops of the night, probably behind Punk and FTR. Uh, just um, people were really excited to see Punk, and uh, nobody sat down when his match started because we knew it would last less than 10 seconds. <laughs> Which it did, um, and then when he challenged Punk, I thought it got a really good reaction too. Um, so, the, uh, I think they got a really good match on deck here for uh, for All In.
0: The crowd continue crowds not just as, continue to share House of Black, and I'm a little worried for CM Punk and FTR coming up Saturday night. Um, Action Andretti, Lee Johnson, and Dante Martin. I mean, I, it, it didn't come across like the fans didn't like them, but they just seemed to like House of Black more. Poor Lee Johnson was, like, at one point playing to the crowd for cheers after getting in a, uh, making a comeback, and it just felt like it was dead silent. Uh, t- talk about that a little bit, and, and if you think House of Black are being miscast or or, or framed in, in a way that is counterproductive.
3: Yeah, so that was one of the top things I wanted to talk about from the show on... So the Acclaimed were advertised for the show. I'm changing the subject a little bit, but I want to get it back to mm-hmm. House of Black. The Acclaimed were advertised for the show. So there were a lot of people there, kids in particular, who had their Acclaimed shirts, their scissor uh foam fingers. They were selling them outside the venue, venue, you know, so people were ready to see the Acclaimed. And the Acclaimed never came out, and they just did that. Uh, little you know that video segment that they did and so when it after right after the acclaim the house of black comes out and it kind of felt like a consolation prize so like i Mm -hmm. I read your report and i do agree like people just really don't know how to feel about the house of black like their heels but we're supposed to kind of like them type of deal but i think they were also pretty hurt by the fact that Uh, We were disappointed we didn't get the acclaims, and then we get House of Black afterwards. Now, I will say the people who like House of Black love House of Black. Uh, They're not for me in particular, but um, the people who like them really love them. And, uh, yeah, I do agree that they were pretty over compared to the other team. Um, And my wife even mentioned she was like, I don't think, these other guys are going to last very long and they lasted longer than she expected, but she doesn't understand commercial breaks and all that <laughs> stuff. So, <laughs> um, But, uh, but yeah, so, um, but it was unfortunate what happened with the acclaim. Cause I felt like it did hurt house of black
0: a little. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and it is a bummer for, so House of black, I mean uh, the acclaim did not ever show up in person in front of the crowd.
3: No, not uh, at all not off, for the yeah. whole night, and they were they were heavily advertised, you know, as one of the four main things we were going to see that night.
0: And it, the, AW's got to be careful because if they say, "Hey, the acclaimed are going to speak," the people who are buying tickets kind of expect to see them if they're advertised on TV, even if AW never intended for them to be in front of the crowd. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that is a bummer. I remember I remember going to a WWE event years yeah. ago and and New Day had been advertised and they didn't show up. And I'll never forget walking into my car in the parking ramp. And there was this family with like three kids all dressed up like new day with posters. And they're just hanging their heads after the show because they didn't get to see new day and they're advertised and they mm-hmm. were sent on some PR tour, if I remember right, instead and pulled from the show and they were just totally bummed out. So yeah, I mean, promoters, you know, they just go about pr- promoting hundred shows a year or whatever. And don't, you know, they sometimes can lose sight of the fact that there's people specifically going for specific acts who are advertised or expected to be there. And you gotta be careful. Not to uh, not to let fans down. Um, what else is in your notes that? Yeah, there uh there was invisible
3: jumps- or audible gasp. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say there was an audible gasp when they came on the TV and never mm. showed up in person. Yeah. So uh, people were very audibly upset about it.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's a bummer. So uh, what, what else is in your notes? I know uh, Jay White wrestled Metalik, and there was um. Uh, well, maybe that's actually the only match we haven't talked about yet. But, yeah, anything else from the show? Any off-air happenings or anything before or after the show or anything else in your notes you want to share with us from your experience?
3: Yeah, um, uh, Brody King was super over. That was one thing about the the House of Black. The the um, barking chants are were pretty loud. I, I had no clue. I, I apparently I haven't been paying enough attention to them because I didn't know what that was about. But the barking was pretty loud for Brody King. Um, let's see the Christian segment <laughs> was probably one of the most on air like video segments of the whole night. It was so funny, and I laughed about it at the edit the next day when I watched it on TV. Um And uh, let's see. I, oh, and just on the subject of merchandise, um the merch, I've heard a lot of people talking about the merchandise. And, yes, there was only one merch stand, uh, like we've um, seen before, like other people say. Uh, but I will say it felt like there was more than just five or six shirts there. There was uh, other stuff, too, like scarves, and there was a little bit of, like, the top axe uh, of everything there. Um, and I went to the merch stand after the show, and everything was still in stock. So um, I didn't think it was as bad as I was expecting on the merchandise
4: side
3: interesting so, um, yeah that's pretty much everything in my notes um, yeah
4: so yeah need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts well come join me Alan Forel over in the Pro Wrestling Paradise at PeterBooTorch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world be it the US Japan Europe or Mexico there's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the pro Wrestling Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise.
0: Cool. Uh, Eric, is there anything
3: you want to follow and up on? And I have a dynamite topic. Uh, whenever whenever we, or if go, you're ready, go I'm, I've got a dynamite topic. Yeah, yeah. Wait.
0: yeah, James, go, go with that. Let's uh, shift to dynamite.
3: Okay. Yeah, so, all right. I was listening to Todd Martin the other day, and um, one of the questions that came in was like, of everybody in the elite, who should go to WWE? Um, and Todd's answer was Kenny Omega, Um, and I I just, it's been bugging me a little bit, like, not in a bad way, but it's just, like, uh, been on my chest, like, that I think he was completely off with that, uh, that I think that Kenny Omega is just fine in AEW, like, he can still go to Japan and go to Mexico, have these seven-star matches, he can have people come into AEW and wrestle like the best people in the world. Like I I don't see much benefit of Kenny Omega going to WWE. To me, the act that should go to WWE more than anybody else in all of AEW, not just the elite is the young bucks. Like, I just think they're the most indie act on the entire show. And tonight was a perfect example of that because like my problem with the young bucks is all all along has been just get in the middle of the ring and cut a promo. I don't care that they think they're bad about it, like Darby Allen was not good at it at one time, and now he's one of the best promos on the show. They need to just get in the ring and cut a promo so FTR challenges the young bucks on collision and then you get to tonight and I guess. Nick, Nick uh, Jackson thought he was cutting a pot pipe bomb or something. But, um, yeah, they just can't get in the ring and cut a promo. Like, it was your perfect opportunity to cut a promo on FTR. Yeah. And they couldn't be bothered to do it. And it's just, I, I just think they're such an indie act. Like, it, And what they need is to go to WWE and learn how to be professionals. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to undercut them as not professionals, but they need to learn how to do this in a way that's, like, good for television. Um, I, I just see so much, like, of the old Young Bucks. I was never on the grassroots movement with these guys. Yeah, their matches are good, but um, I just, I'm not a fan at all, and they, they need some serious work, and they need to put in some serious effort, so I, I just need to get that off my chest. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I do love Todd Martin, and I love hearing about his cast, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, let, let's let's launch into a discussion on that, Eric. Um, we had the Alex Marvez backstage interview with Kenny Omega. Uh, um, as as a journalist who has who has looked for scoops before, do you think Alex Marvez represents our craft well, Eric?
1: Well, in my notes, I had uh, a setup uh, line where I was going to ask you for your reaction <laughs> uh, about Kenny Sorry. leaving Alex, Mar- poor Alex Marvez, hanging there. What your reaction to that, Wade? uh, I, it sounds like you were in favor of it.
0: I, I, I just think Alex Marvez portraying the, the hungry, the, the, the journalist desperately hungry for a scoop and being left empty handed, um, leaves him with no dignity every week. Cause his acting is just, it's, it, I his acting reminds me of like how the Simpsons would, would characterize a, a desperate reporter looking for a scoop. He's just so hapless and, and pathetic in the way that he portrays it. I just I just shake my head. I I, I assume that's what he's produced to do, but I I, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's not for me. Eric? I
1: someday I hope to learn, probably not on the air, what Alex Marvez ever did to you, Wade. Well, I could
0: joking. go on for an hour I, what he did to me, but it doesn't change the fact that he's No, I'm kidding. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, now he's yeah, I mean it's it's not good, it's never been good. I'm old enough to remember when he tried out to be the play, you know, play-by-play play or color guy on the, uh, right? Wasn't yeah.
0: he? Yeah, he was on the first Ch- AW pre-show at least.
1: Yeah, and uh, that um,
0: it's in They well.
1: they moved him into a different role. Let's just yeah. say, who was in WWE, WWF? Who was? There was always like a a backstage interviewer that The Rock would pick on, right? With the, it doesn't matter. Kevin Kelly. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, he's sort of in a even more hapless Kevin Kelly role, but The Rock was funnier.
0: See, when, when, when pro wrestling portrays journalists looking for scoops, I always think it's like there's this agenda to make, like, journalists looking for scoops out to be, you know, just, like, path- pathetic. You know, like, oh, I need a scoop. I need a scoop. And I'm like, you know, that's not how journalists act. And... They don't know, you know how they don't know how journalism works. Not, Alex not Mar- a... Oh, well, no, hold on, hold on. Alex Marvez interned at the New York Times. He wrote great columns at the Miami Herald on professional wrestling and other matters. He's a a a, a credentialed, bona fide NFL reporter, and he's going out there and playing into every sad stereotype of a roving reporter looking for a scoop. And I I, I hold I hold it more against him than I would. You know, just some person who's who's there because they're good at holding a microphone and looking pretty or looking handsome. Um, That's that's not his shtick. So I kind of hold it against him that he's playing into this this stereotype that pro wrestling has because he knows better. Anyway, Eric, go ahead.
1: Well, I, I I say that they're they're doing that a stereotype on camera,
0: but I'm sure if you check the
1: DMs and text messages of wrestlers and wrestling promoters, I could name oh three to four. Journalists who would be groveling for scoops, give me a scoop, give me a scoop. But I'm not going to name any of them because I don't want to bring heat upon the House of Torch. So,
0: <laughs> yes, I mean that is a thing. But I, I, anyway, we don't want we're sidetracked on on uh, Alex Alex Marvez here. What uh, were you we talking about? He is, he is a bar- we all Omega? we all graduated journalism school around the same time, like college around the same time. We're all about the same age, um and uh and we all have history and newsletter writing in the 80s and early 90s. So um anyway so so uh poor james had to sit and listen to us talk about alex for a while here let's get back to um can you um, Wade, wait
3: i will say I, yeah. I wait i think alex marvez might have a better promo than the young bucks tonight so i always <laughs> oh, say that oh
0: wow so yeah let's talk about the young bucks eric <laughs> well well played james uh I, the young bucks come to the ring i'm like you know we just talked to greg parks on the flagship yesterday and was like hey it's time to step up got a new deal I know you're practically drag kicking and screaming into this seven figure deal that they multi year deal they signed, and Matt's you know beat up physically, and I get that, and it's there's a mental toll, and I don't on a any personal level blame Matt for not wanting to continue on. He's got enough money. He wants to spend time with his family. More power to him. That was my pushback on on Jim Ross and others who were like CM Punk's leaving money on the table. It's like he's mentally broken. He's physically broken. Let him take his millions and fix himself and have some time to figure out what he wants to do. Like it's, it's not all about the money. Sometimes it's about happiness and, and all that, not just chasing the next dollar. I, I admire anyone who has enough money and, and steps away and prioritizes his family, but he didn't, he signed a contract and hopefully he got, you know, some scheduling issues that'll help him, um, you know, feel like he's not missing out on, on more important things than, than more money. If his heart's not into this anymore, but part of signing that deal should be showing up and cutting a freaking promo or Nick should, um, Standing, you know, coming to the ring, doing the same little flex routine, and that was sort of a parody. I think meant to be a parody at one point, and and then getting in the ring and, and saying almost nothing. I, again, I'm just I keep waiting for the Bucks to step up and like contribute in a bigger way. than, hey, we have five star matches every few months. Um, this this wasn't a bad segment, but in the in the context of what James is bringing up. At some point, you want the Bucks to talk. You want to have it. You want it to seem like they've thought about this all week, or at least all afternoon, and they got something to say where they can bond with the fans and frame the frame it. And it does seem like they just can't be bothered, um, or they're to. They think they can't deliver a main event promo, so they're just going to retreat into not saying things. Um, I'm frustrated by it because I, I think they can't. I think I'm sure they're capable of more than this, and I keep craving more from them, and we didn't get it. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed, the Weight Killer Processing Podcast, Weight Killer Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out. Patreon.com slash PWtorch VIP. That's patreon.com slash PWtorch And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon.
1: I think uh, James, James's suggestion that the Young Bucks should go to the WWE and learn how to do promos. Um, I think the Young Bucks are too old to go to WWE to learn promos uh, at this point in their career. I think uh, one. Two, you know, WWE has established what you need to do to be a successful wrestling act and you need to be able to do 20 a uh, top act you need to be able to do 20 minute promos in the ring. And there is more than one way to be a successful act in wrestling and I know a lot of people's brains are broken by top WWE has been doing it as a monopoly for all these years. Um, would it be ideal if the bucks were able to cut even the most basic uh, live promo against FTR tonight? Yes, that is undoubtedly true. Um, I, I am from the Paul Heyman school of, you know, mask your wrestlers weaknesses and accentuate their strengths. And it, it may be, it may well be they're saving the live promo for next week or collision, probably not collision because they don't appear on collision due to the punk feud. Um, it may be that the young bucks just don't aren't comfortable holding their own, and so if they are going to do a poor job hyping the match, if they are going to be basically uh, the Midnight Express from the 80s, Bobby Eaton yelling at Tully Blanchard, you're a piece of trash, you're a piece of trash, 15 times, um, uh, uh, we don't really need that, right? Have, I wonder, if we went back and looked at the 200 episodes of Dynamite, have the Young Bucks ever done a live in-ring promo? I think it's possible the answer to that is no. They've done plenty of pre tape promos where they get to have Brandon Cutler be the cameraman and they get as many takes as they need. But like during a lot of the Elite stuff, they were doing a lot of silent acting, right? Uh, Between when Kenny and Hangman were feuding. And then even in the run up to the uh, War Games match, the Blood and Guts match, it was really Hangman Page was the one doing the live promos and Kenny to a certain extent. And so. You may never we may we may never have gotten it and we may never get it. And
0: if they did, it wasn't memorable.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, well, AEW is full of such good talkers and there's so much wrestling, uh, so many wrestling hours. You know, it's, it's hard to be memorable. But if it's not their strength, why try to fit a square peg in a round hole?
0: Excuses, excuses. One, they can talk. They did a whole BTE yeah, being the I, elite Can I series. chime in on that? Yeah, go ahead, James.
3: Yeah, so I, I get what you're saying, Eric, but like uh, Darby Allin is the perfect example of somebody who was not very good at promos in the beginning of the AEW, and now he's one of the best promos they have. And that comes through practice and repetition yeah. and just getting out there when you're not uncomfortable, like becoming comfortable by being
1: uncomfortable.
3: So like, I, I, I just, I, I think it's just an excuse. like, um, And I understand that there's multiple ways to get over, but you know, like this was just, this is a show for 80,000 people. And this is a dream match that's supposed to be happening. Like you should at least cut a very very basic promo, and that I would be well, happy. Well, they still have two when, weeks when to do AEW...
1: that. Oh, go ahead. They have two weeks to do that, and I'm willing to bet they will. And I'm willing to bet it'll be a pre-tape. I think that's what you're that's what you're looking at. <laughs> uh, when they're out in front of the camera, they're they're doing more physical stuff, and and the the promos are pre-tapes and. You know, that's uh, th- 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 there's a sort of chicken and egg dynamic, I think, and that is the young bucks have been pushed as a top d- top act in AEW since day one. They've never we can't come up with even one live promo they've really done um, that anyone remembers. And so, uh, Darby Allen gets the benefit of the doubt as a young up and coming act. The same is true for Jack Perry. They get to get in the ring in practice. They're not a top act. The Young Bucks may find themselves not as a top act or not bought as a top act if they keep doing a live promo week after week and they don't get any better and they're not any good. So it's, it's almost – you should not have to cover for that big of a weakness of a top act ideally. But if that's the case, then that's what AEW has been doing for four-plus years now, covering for that weakness.
0: I have way more confidence in the Bucks' ability to cut a promo than you do, Eric. It sounds like I I, I, I do not think that they're just like. Do you? Do, do, Nick Jackson looks like he's half asleep when he's doing these
1: backstage segments, right? I mean, he just yeah. looks like he'd rather be anywhere yeah. else in the world. I know. I think Matt Jackson probably would do okay. He can show fire like he does in match.es But Nick just just can't be bothered. It it doesn't seem.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I. Taz was silent, and then he turned into a great promo. Edge and Christian were silent for years, in in, in their early years, uh, where tag teams didn't get a lot a chance to talk, and and both have turned into really good promos. And Christian's at the top of his game now. Uh, again, as James said, which is is something I've said. It's reps, reps, reps. Get out there, figure out your niche. They should have been doing this years ago, and they still still should be. I, I don't. I just don't think it's going to be that bad. I, I, this idea that if they actually put thought into what they're going to say and get out there live in front of the fans and talk with them. It can, it can be their style. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be Jim Cornette. They don't have to be Hawk and animal. They don't have to be LA Knight. They can just be the young bucks, but talk to the fans. They're human beings who know English. They can talk and they, they should have thoughts on what, what their match means and who their opponents are and what motivates them and, and what's at stake and their thoughts on, on the fan support. And it's just, it's just, it's not that hard. I'm not I'm you know like if Brian Cage had never done a running flip dive over the top rope I'd be like, "Well, that's dumb to ask him to do that. Well, he can." So it's a bad example. But the the Bucks, it's like they're capable. It just it's it just shouldn't be like you're coddling them. <laughs> they're being coddled. You're you're an enabler when you when you go, "Well, they might not be a top act if they don't talk." Well, just get out there and do it. I mean, there there's there's less to lose than there is to gain. Um, so
3: yeah, Kenny Omega is another example of somebody who uh, was when he was cutting promos everybody was like oh my god get this guy off the screen but i think he's really starting to figure it out finally um so i i think that's just proof that it can be done so.
0: yeah yeah all right uh anything else uh, james you want to bring up or anything we didn't address
3: no um I, i'll let the other callers uh hit other subjects i, I will just say from your original of. Uh, what you were talking about in the beginning. I I personally am a huge fan of the MJF Cole storyline. Um, and, and I think it's just got a lot to do with the promos and I know who these guys are and I care. And I was not very high on it during that first match between Cole and MJF. I even wrote in the mailbag, you know, just kind of expressing how I was not as big of a fan of that match. Um, and, uh, they really won me over, and I've, I've just been loving it every step of the way. Uh, James, so. what, do you,
0: what do you think and what do you hope is going to happen at, at All-In between them and the main event?
3: Yeah, honestly, I'd be happy if they were just friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning more towards Cole turning on MJF, uh, and I think that's got the best story to tell. Um, with it. Yeah. But uh, you know, if if they can figure out a way to make MJF turning happen and work, then I I could see that. And I'm curious what happens with this ROH tag match now because that's gotta play into the main event. Um and I am I'm, I'm imagining that like something happens there that's gonna push more buys for the pay per view. Um so that's kind of what i I'm imagining for it.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right, cool. James, appreciate it. Thanks for calling in and uh it's great talking with you. Call, don't be a stranger. Yes.
3: Thank you for having me. You guys have a good good rest of your week.
0: Yep. Thanks for being a VIP member too.
3: Yes. Bye Wade.
0: Bye. All right. Uh Eric, anything you want to add before we Let's move on. <laughs> All right. So we're not going to move on from Cole and MJF because I'm going to read these two emails since uh, James uh, just brought this up. Uh, Chris from Pearl says, uh, it's no secret I'm not a fan of the Cole MJF skits, and I think it's fair to say it's been pretty polarizing. I think tonight's entry will tip the scales to negative. How did that segment promote your main event? You have the challenger uh, arguing like an eight-year-old and your world champion assaulting kids. Then you have a kid flipping the bird, and you top it off with your innocent challenger endorsing one more assault. That shouldn't even be on TV, let alone tied to the main event of the biggest night in the company's short history. The match didn't need this. They had a great draw a few weeks ago, and the match is, and the rematch is a selling point. If you must do the tenuous friendship angle, there has to be a better way. Um, so, uh, Erica, you're you're probably nodding along to most of that. Anything you want to add?
1: No, I mean, I just look. I understand that I don't like the bloodline saga that's never ending. It's doing gangbusters business i don't like how wwe presents they don't present wrestling they present sports entertainment i don't like the mid-match monologues where they where they're like it's like bad exposition from a villain explaining everything he's doing right every character's explaining their motivations instead of you know the telling instead of showing not my cup of tea and so i don't like it when aew is like wwe and that's what a lot of this um the the, the out of ring Cole MJF stuff has been and again I am. I acknowledge that uh, it is most people's cup of tea, right? The ratings go up demonstrably when MJF and Cole are on the screen. You see it every week when WrestleNomics sends, you know, posts their charts on Twitter. Uh, there's the big spike for, you know, the, the usually the top of the hour, the stop of the second hour, and the ratings go up for MJF and Cole, and then they go down. They do the usual AEW slide down for for from eight fifteen, nine fifteen, uh, Eastern to the end of the show. So it it is I acknowledge my minority viewpoint on <laughs> on this uh, one but
2: I agree with the
0: emailer. Yeah.
2: Are you a nostalgic wrestling fan? Do you want to hear about shows you haven't seen in 10, 20, maybe even 30 years? Well, I have the show for you. I'm PWTorch.com contributor Frank Petiani, and since December of 2020, I've hosted Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back and review old shows from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what's taking place now to what took place then. You can hear this along with other shows as part of your PWTorch VIP membership, with exclusive podcasts just for members, compatible with the Apple Podcast app. Visit pwtorch.com govip for details, and sign up form.
0: All right, Zach in Texas also emailed about this. He goes, this Adam Cole MGF story is gold. It's working better than anyone anticipated. MGF as a babyface is surreal, but he's very good at it. At this point, he cannot be the one to turn. With the RH Take title match now part of the equation, I th- see things going one of two ways. Either MJF and Cole win the RH Tag team titles, but Cole still turns on him at the end of the night, or the Kingdom interfere in that match and then interfere in the main event, leading to Cole winning the title and standing over Max at the end of the night. Babyface MJF chasing the title would be something to see. In the meantime, though, Lord have mercy. MJF absolutely cooked Roddy Star- Strong on the mic tonight. Even as a babyface, MJF can ether people. Speaking of Wembley, shall we all start making our guesses on what Sting is going to dive off of in London? We know he's going to do it. Um, we'll say the Sting thing for for uh, later. If the Kingdom get really involved in this MJF Cole thing, with all due respect to Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, that is a, that's just pull, and the ROH tag belts too. I mean, it's pulling the epic, monumental AEW world title match with Cole and MJF down if one, there's interference, period, but two, if it's the kingdom interfering, who have not been established at all um, on on AEW television in front of the larger audience. Eric, I, I shudder at the thought of, of the kingdom being a pivot point in this storyline. Um, I think people are nervous. Strong is going to be, Roderick Strong is already going to be, but uh, adding the kingdom to it, I, I, man, um, I, I don't think people are going to like that. If, if that is a the direction they're going, as Zach suggests, as a possibility. What do you think?
1: So I think uh, I understand why Zach like I think Zach is on record as liking soap operas. So I understand why he likes the storyline. He's
0: on the record like of liking AW a lot more than I. Do. <laughs> Just in general. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, but uh, I, to me, it, so so the the Roderick Strong and Kingdom thing is he either there to fill up the next two dynamites before the pay-per-view for before all in, or it's on a, on a simmer and a slow and a slow boil to be the thing. If they continue this after all in, this is where they go to next. Right. And I'm not sure which yet. Um, I, it feels like more, like I would think it's more. So let's play this out. So the, the thing that we haven't talked about is, is a week after all in, there's all out, and and I think clearly they're building a CM Punk MJF title match for that, right? With uh, what they're doing on Collision with uh, CM Punk's real world title, and so if Cole is in cahoots with his old buddies uh, from ROH back in the day, and they turn on MJF um, at all in, I mean I can't imagine them costing the belt and them going with Adam Cole. But maybe, but the but the natural match is MJF versus CM Punk that they started building literally at last year's All Out before um, Punk, you know, before Punk had to take time off due to his injury and or backstage issues. So it, it would be weird to have this MJF somehow return, you know, get turned on and be the babyface and then come in facing CM Punk in his hometown where CM Punk is always cheered. Um, including at the debut collision that I was at, and I tried to get a booing CM Punk thing going, and it just completely failed. Um, the the uh, it doesn't make any sense, and so I, I think you have to look at this with with all out a week later as a backdrop and the likely destination of an MJ MJF Punk World Title match, and yeah, I don't know how I don't know how all that plays out because MJF is sure you know they, they've leaned back into the babyface thing, which was a problem after he. Um, uh, you know, started headlining the promotion uh, after All Out last year, so they had to they had to go to the lowest common denominator heat to get fans to boo him again. And so here here we are, right back in that same spot. But maybe that's what they want. I don't know. What, what do you think?
0: Well, I I don't know. I like I have I have I think there's so many equally plausible ways that this could go, and nothing jumps out as like a great idea to me um it doesn't mean there isn't one out there or that some mediocre ideas or or ones that seem fraught with with uh uh, problems can't can't be executed in a way that i'm not imagining so i'm just kind of gonna watch it play out at this point i mean we will have like you say a couple more weeks of hints uh to see where this is going the the pivoting from all in to all out and going from call mjf to mjf against somebody else i don't know how they do that and I mean MJF Punk seems like something they should do but you know when the real world title got introduced concurrently to this MJF Cole thing but it was weird you know a couple collisions ago having Punk say I'm the real world champion and then MJF comes out and just is is camping it up with with Cole and the crowd's eating it up and they're just having fun doing their their you know for lack of a better term sports entertainment bit together that the, again the crowd is eating up but it it takes some of the heat off it it's, hard. it's going to be hard to imagine MJF pivoting to, oh, well, I've been occupied with Cole. Punk's been claiming to be the world, real world champion. Well, let me tell you something. I want to I want to pin you once and for all and end this. Like, can you really squeeze that in between all in and all out and, and do it justice? Or do you try to do it concurrently? Or is that going to be saved for November? And something completely different is going to be done at all out. Um, I don't know, Eric. Uh, do you? I, I, so so Tony Khan is famous for
1: having his booking, especially the top of the card, booking plans laid out and to be kind of rigid and inflexible. And I do wonder, I mean, my, my gut at this point tells me they are going to continue this after All In and All Out, right? Um, whether or not MJF still has the world title. Um, in, in fact, it would be easier for them to continue this if MJF doesn't have the world title, right? Um, so that's that's what I feel. I feel they'll, they'll keep it going and milk the ratings for as long as they can until it starts to fizzle and then they can pull the trigger on splitting the two up. But um, probably I would prefer a cleaner story uh, where somebody turns on each other in the world title match and, and it's who was manipulating who, or they were both manipulating each other. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's that sort of bad guy, bad guy, or good guy, good guy recognition of, of how sleazy they were both being. But, I don't think that's what we're going to get. Um I, I I sense AEW has not announced a television renewal. I think pretty clearly Tony Khan was hoping to have uh all in streaming on on Max, H, the former HBO Max, and that's not happening. And so now he's going to ask people in theory to pay $50 in back-to-back weekends. So, um I, I he needs Tony Khan needs to keep his TV ratings up until he can announce his TV deal. so that that's why my gut says they're probably going to continue with that plus as you point out there's still more story to be told with this Taven Roddy Mike Bennett thing uh
0: the, the Mac streaming service is adding live sports later this year but not in August it won't be till October um they're going to simulcast some games on on cable tv and Mac starting in October so I'm Curious if that'll include NBA and NHL games, college sports. Well, that's that's it. apparently that is a plan. I'm curious if AW is added to it um, at some point, and then that you know would certainly be a selling point for Max to get them a little more on uh, on on wrestling fans' radar as a service they need now that, you know, Peacock has sort of become the, the, the place for WWE. Well, it is the place for WWE content in the United States. So it just didn't happen soon enough. So yeah, maybe Con was hoping that, that they would be the ones to be the premier live sports on max, not counting HBO's history with boxing. Um, Yeah. Eric.
1: Yeah. It it occurs to me that London may be causing the problem, right? Like they, they have sort of capability that they're sort of a little nervous about and they don't want to, they don't want to, um, drag it you know drag all their stuff over to london and not have it work due to you know incompatible electronics or you know i don't know it just strikes me that 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 may be a wrinkle as well i you know i would i if you had any fear that hbo max was sort of a cadillac crown jewel of streaming services with their high-end programming like succession and the sopranos and the like um the fact that they've sort of combined all those low-rent Discovery Channel uh, reality shows on there. I guess I'm not worried that they think Max is too sacred to be right. wrestling on.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> mean, that was Damien Kellner's argument with TNT is, you know, we yeah, I mean, W C W ratings fell low enough and advertisers at that time were not flocking to pro wrestling to reach, you know, they saw that them as low brow and and low income. Um, there were some stats to, to you know they would point to to go, hey, you know, we can, we can we can do better with fewer viewers but get more money from advertisers and have programming that fits TNT, which at the time. Was a prestige cable network meant to have high-end dramas attracting a higher-income crowd, and WCW, over you know the course of several years grew incompatible with that vision. That you're right to point out. Um, you know HBO would have scoffed at wrestling at times, and Max is uh, d- can't can't do that. And wrestling's come along too. You know wrestling is is in a much better place in terms of how it's perceived in the mainstream. Thanks to Dwayne Johnson and big part and, and John Cena and Batista. I mean, a lot has happened since Jamie Kellner snubbed his nose at, at pro wrestling and pro wrestling fans and canceled, uh, WCW programming. Correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, Zach did mention sting, uh, big angle tonight, sting returning Tony Schiavone just was like, huh, 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 just breathless. Like, could it be it, it, it's sting? Uh, sting shows up with a baseball bat and then drives who, who's, who is going to be angry about sting, Taking the baseball bat uh, from pointing at the chin of a, of, a, of a nervous shaking in his boots for Strickland, to then pivoting and pointing at the big sign that says "All In." Yeah,
1: I, my notes say "Sting with the bat" always a crowd pleaser. But but for who? But, but Thirty who's, years. What? But
0: who's going to be mad at the pivot to point at the sign?
1: Oh well, it's very WWE WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, so Todd Martin you know. Todd Martin is the answer to my question. To Todd will, yes. Yeah, Todd yeah. is going to be um, not happy that AEW... I mean, if if they start hanging all, all banners and everyone starts pointing to it, that'll be worse. But yeah, Sting just pointing at the big screen. I mean, it's fine if they don't overdo it, but I could just see Todd just being like, no, and scaring his kittens. And he's like, AEW's hanging well, it there is
1: There is... I've been to a lot of AEW shows in their four years because they're always in Chicago so frequently. And there in more recent years has usually been... After the one pay-per-view cycle ends, they put the the when they announce the date for the next one, which is usually maybe even at the pay-per-view, um, they have a they have the WrestleMania style banner up in the arena, right? Yeah. It's it's a standard part of their of their presentation. So they can do it if they want.
0: They can. They can. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWtorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark. Make it a daily stop. Visit us throughout the day every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. So what do you think of of the way they set this up? Darby and Sting against Swerve and AR Fox. Darby rebutting uh, AR Fox saying, that Darby didn't call him. Darby said, I tried calling you. And uh, Darby alluding to demons and issues that A.R. Fox had that hadn't been, I don't think, previously brought up. Um, basically going, if you want to blame me, I'm going to start dishing on on personal stuff I know about you. Uh, did Swerve keep his cool factor and his tough factor, the way he reacted to Sting? Any any critique or compliment of, of how that all played out tonight?
1: Uh, my, my gut reaction uh, when they announced that it was a straight two-on-two tag um was that seems like a dynamite main event maybe and not necessarily a pay-per-view match um just because it is obvious ar fox is doing the job at that match it's like a new japan tag match the night before the you know the week before the 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 big show that they're gonna do and it's it's three top guys and one mid-card guy and You know, AR Fox has sort of been they've tried to rehab him, but they haven't given him enough single wins to make you think he's been, you know, fully rehabbed. He was doing jobs on TV in inexplicably unearned title matches (laughs) his whole tenure so far in AEW. So it's I guess it's just designed to get Sting and Darby on the show in a big role because Darby is penciled in for a TNT title match against luchasaurus at all out already the, the one announced match we have for all out and so it's it's a way to get him on the show and for for sting to play the hits in front of you know nearly eighty thousand people already with tickets so um you know it's it's just kind of there i mean i i figured it they might allow they might put nick wayne on the show in a six man like they would do a six man and maybe they'll do that as a setup before the um tag match and they can have you know nick wayne get a win over one of the anonymous uh mogul embassy guys that is not ar fox so uh, yeah i don't know I, I guess i'm i'm fine with it it's there it's not a huge match though in my view like you know there were talk of st- people were fantasy booking a sting retirement on this show um and that's not going to be the case obviously
0: yeah yeah and and that gets to uh, another topic which is uh well i'll i'll let our Next email, will bring it up here. Uh, JB from Detroit um, brings up the—it's among a number of uh, topics here. He goes, I feel like the Hardys Bucks is uh, uh, one of the generational matchups that the de- deserves a bit more of a build in it than being suddenly thrown on a random episode of Dynamite. So this is JB from Detroit bringing up something that I thought, too, when the match was sort of passively announced. No big deal. No fanfare. And then tonight, just kind of thrown out there. Um, I understand, you know, Jeff is a crash waiting to happen, and Matt is— you know, well beyond having classic tag team, mat, you know, contributing uh, high-end athleticism to a tag team match, but man, you can book a really compelling match between those two teams if you just take the time to do it and and, and adjust the athletic expectations and, and do more storytelling instead of just, you know, try to do spots. Um, and I do feel that they under-hyped and got less out of this. I know stuff has happened with Jeff and, you know, we can all see with our eyes, you know, the the wear and tear and Matt as he approaches age 50 here. But I was thinking, you know, mentioned staying, having a retirement match against MJF. I I thought that might be a direction they would go, uh, you know, for kind of a, if you're trying to make, because my my thinking at one point, Eric, was all out is going to be the the traditional pay-per-view. All in in London is going to be the novelty pay-per-view. It's give people in London in front of nobody imagined, I shouldn't say nobody few imagine they'd be doing 80,000 plus, you know, and thinking was 30, 40, 45, set it up, it'll look nice with certain camera angles. They just blew past that. So good for them. But they totally could get away with having the shows be very different with All In in London being more, hey, London, you get to see Sting in a retirement match against MJF. And you get to see the and the other match I had proposed, um, what, that, 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 Made some sense was the Hardys against the Young Bucks in a dream match of of two two different generations, kind of like Beck's, Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus have kind of been framed in WWE. Instead, we got a throwaway match on Dynamite. Um, where, where are you on that? D- do you think they're getting less than they could have out of a Hardys Bucks match given their histories? Yeah, I
1: mean they they basically Tony Khan used the used the Hardys as a not you know not an enhancement team but as a mid-level tag team to put the bucks over as a way to set them up for an ftr title match right i mean they were just totally and th- that's how they were used and i think it i think the reason why is what you already said right matt is done as a performer you know as, as a, as a high level performer right he can still talk he can still do veteran tricks to you know do work a seven minute match on rampage but um his days of you know being in five star tag team matches with the young bucks or ftr are done and jeff i don't, you know you ne- never put all of your eggs in the in the, in yeah. the jeff hardy basket for his his uh, the obvious reason um it, what struck me is the i think jeff hardy came into AEW at the start of 2022 maybe end of 2021 um and how they were used tonight is such a contrast to when jeff hardy came in and like They actually moved. Jeff Hardy actually moved ratings a little bit, if I'm recalling correctly. He was a a slight ratings mover. And I personally was sort of fantasy booking in my head all of the different dream matches that (laughs) the Hardys could have against people. And then Jeff did what he did. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure Tony Khan is like, I I have enough craziness in my locker room. Right. My locker room is a hot mess. On a normal day, I don't – I signed Jeff Hardy. I'm probably paying him a lot of money. I'm going to get out of him what I can and then um, you know, politely not renew this deal uh, going forward, I would assume. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – it, I, I guess that's – this is, this is it's just where the Hardys are these days.
0: I, I would still argue um, – and you make great points, and I think that's an argument against building the Bucks and the Hardys in a dream match in London because um, enough has happened – I still think they should be getting more out of it if they're going to throw it on TV. You know, like if if you aren't confident the match is going to happen, because who knows if Jeff's going to you know get in behind a wheel when he shouldn't and get arrested, or who knows what, or Matt's going to suffer an injury carrying his luggage out of the plane. Whatever their worries are, like if it's a dynamite match, you still should build it up and frame it as a bigger deal. Like it just it's like I said about Big Bill earlier. They just define him down by just throwing him out there with Brian Cage, win a battle royal, go out there do a shtick. It's like it's just not making a bigger star out of the people you have or maximizing the stars that you have. And it's another example. So, I mean, I'm with JB on that. Even if we pull back from that being a dream match for London, it still just felt thrown out there. And beneath, I think what fans would be willing to look at, look at that match as if they hyped it up a little bit more.
1: Wade, do you know what they could have done? They could have done an angle to set this up and then had promos. That, that might have made this match feel that they, that they at least done the bare minimum of lifting to set it up. They, well, they did not do any
0: of that. You have already just announced it on TV. Yes, yep. but you have already already taken your stand that the Young Bucks will be will, will be diminished if they if they speak. So um, we, we have to rule them out. So then you're, you're leaning on Matt because uh, Jeff's not going to I mean, Jeff will talk, but he's not going to help sell the match. So it's a match with two teams. Tony might not want talking or has, has resigned himself to not being good promos.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Make Accentuate
0: the positives, hide the weaknesses. Yeah. Or as Paul Heyman actually does make people better at their weaknesses by, by working with them and, and, and finding something about their, their, their talking ability that is untapped and, and coach them, give them confidence, give them something to say, produce them and amplify them. And that's not the game Tony's in. It's the game Paul Heyman is in. So um, I, I disagree that Heyman hides weaknesses. I think he—he he, well, I shouldn't say I disagree. Well, I think in, there's
1: a, in ECW that was his right. That was his stated philosophy.
0: Yes, like but the best a, promos, Rob Van Dem- But 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 I mean yes, yeah, to a degree yes, but t- he turned Taz into a great promo and he, he, he got the best promos Rob Van Dam ever did out of him. Like he didn't go, well, Rob's not a good talker. He's kind of, you know, out there and loses a train of thought and X stone or is stone. So we're not going to try. No, we got some, he got the good stuff out of RVD. So, you know, it, it's a mix of those things. Yeah. You got to hide the weaknesses in, and accentuate strengths, but you also through some work, some sweat equity, um, and, and just effort. Yeah. Just, you can get more out of these people. Anyway, uh, Uh, So JB says, I was expecting a bit more of advancement from the Jericho Appreciation Society mandatory meeting. I think it'd be rather disappointing if Jericho doesn't join the Callis family at this point because that's the most interesting option in my opinion. I I just think poor Jericho—or not poor—Jericho's standing in the ring, and all these guys walk out, guys and women walk out on him. And then he he backstage says, oh, I made up my mind, but I'm not going to reveal it until next week. Like, I mean, I get from a rating standpoint doing that, but if you made up your mind— Shouldn't you tell all these like friends who laid out how much they sacrificed for you, um, just get them off the hook and say, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I can tell when I'm not wanted and I'm feeling a little guilty, but whatever. Like it's such, I know it's a ratings ploy and all that, but I'd rather had Jericho just go, I've got a lot to think about. I think I know what I'm going to do, but I don't want to make a hasty decision. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep on it. Next week I will tell everyone where I stand. I'd rather have that than him just going, I've made up my mind, but I'm not going to tell you till next week because of ratings, Eric.
5: Longing for some nostalgia? Or maybe you want to learn some wrestling history? Don't miss the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. Alex and Patrick will transport you 30 years into the past by taking you through the Torch issue from that very week. Follow news from the WWF and WCW and all the happenings from across the wrestling industry in real time as the Torch reported it 30 years ago. That's the '90s passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed.
1: Yeah, it was this raw style talky opening, and with no resolution, right? Um, th- that's a lot to ask of your fan base to have all of them talk. <laughs> I feel like. You could have had um, you could have had them paired up, right? Uh, Anna and uh, Ty talking together, right? One of them talking and the other, you know. Uh, you could have had Angelo Parker and the crazy French Canadian guy with the big eyes, which is a daddy something, Um, Matt Menard. Uh, You could have had those two, right, paired off, right? And then you give this, you give this, I don't really need to hear from Jake Hager ever again. Uh, That would be fine with me. And you give like the two people in that faction with actual potential upside, Daniel Garcia and and Sammy G, just put the spotlight on them, right? You you know, in in a stage play, you usually have... You don't usually have more than one character, more than one person playing the same character, right? It's redundant and Mm -hmm. it it, it gums up the narrative. And this just could have been half as long as it was. Um, I did my notes were well. Why didn't Dan? uh, Why didn't Don Callis come out? And then, sure enough, they did have him appear in a backstage segment. Um, sleazy
0: Don Callis s- acting magnanimous and patient while all the others are like, he it I mean, I like that because Callis is like, I I, I know you're going to side with me. I can tell all these people walked out on you. So I'm going to act like I'm leaving it up to you. And, and I'm not, you know, but Don Callis knows he won. He knows Jericho's going to choose him, or at least he believes that. And so he's acting like, I'm cool with whatever decision you make, do what's best for you, Chris, you let us know next week. And it's such, such the sleazy thing to do when you when privately, you, you think you already won. Yeah, um, I I so, will say this. I know. like the segment more that more more than you. Um, I like the segment more than JB. I I, I didn't mind this. Jericho it has been a big part of Dynamite. Um, there's a big history there. Uh, I you know people need to stop cheering Jake Hager talking about the hat. That's like the dumbest thing ever. Stop it, people. Um, but you're you're encouraging things that are holding AW back when when you let Jake Hager get something so stupid over when he you know isn't putting forth any kind of other contribution to the company. Um. But that scolding aside, um, the I, I thought everybody did well on the mic, and I, I think they all had something to say. They all it, it was different enough, and I kind of would have. I like I liked Sammy, um, you know, being being kind of the original friend of Jericho, still still around. I like that he had a different approach um, and and saved himself for last. But I thought Garcia helped himself uh, from a kind of dignity standpoint after he he strayed away and then went back. Um, he made his case for why and why he's disappointed and let down. I, I, I like the segment. I, I, I think I've been a little more pro Jericho and his factions that on average than, than most co-hosts with me and callers. Um, and, and I am here also, I think he's a big enough character, a big enough name. And that faction is his, his factions have been a big enough part of AW that it, it deserved the time that it got. I, I, I did not grow impatient with it. We'll see how it did in the, uh, the minute by minutes, perhaps Eric.
1: It benefits from being in the first quarter, you would think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, we can kind of look at, well, Adam, how do other segments do the first 10 minutes compared to this? You know, and, and I'm sure Tony will be studying that and saying, all right, you know, because this was a show with a lot of talking and not as much wrestling. This is a different format than what Tony it initially yep. initially went with. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he sticks with it, and I'm sure he'll be looking at those, those data points. Okay, um, we'll go back to JB's email in a bit, but I want to get to uh, Brian from Boston, who gave us a call here. Uh, Brian, uh, welcome to the show. I'm eager to hear your thoughts. What stood out on Dynamite to you tonight?
6: Uh, thanks for taking the call. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, I thought the show overall was a thumbs up. I mean, for the most part, it was pretty good for, like, the first hour and a half, but then it kind of fell off. Like the last half hour, and I'll I'll just save my biggest talking point first. Um, the uh, well, it's not really saving, I guess, but the uh, the the women's segment. I mean, I I'm glad Tony Khan has the women made of batting two dynamites lights in a row, and last week was fine, but can I mean this this felt like he was just doing it to placate the people who were calling him out like on social media and stuff, because it was like really no build to the match. And the match wasn't that good to be honest. I mean, she does a great work, but Jay's still pretty green. And, you know, I thought there was going to be like some kind of angle or, or something like that after the match was over. And I, I mean, it served to put Sheeta to elevate Sheeta. I won't deny that, but the, uh, the finish was flat. I mean, w- was there some kind of botch or something with what uh, Angelo Parker was doing? I, I didn't really get that. It just—I don't know. It felt flat for me. I'm, yeah. What,
0: yeah. What so, so yeah. So we, we like, haven't we haven't really talked was, about okay. yeah yeah I got you uh, yeah the, we haven't talked about the main event yet the final match of the show um, We can argue if it's a main event or not um, and I think Bright makes a good point is does this feel like um, just sort of You know, catering, placating, I think there's a better word for it. Um, pandering almost to, to people who are like book the women better, and so Tony's like, well, I'll put them in the last match. That's booking them better, and it's like, well, it's not booking them better if, if you don't do other things to make people care about the characters and the matches. And then you have sort of another sort of semi convoluted tournament setup leading to a four way, and you're excluding names like Willow Nightingale without explaining why because you have two titles, but they're not really defined on you know one is for one show, one's the other, and there's a split roster. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess. But that said, I'm I'm. I also, I guess I'd rather have Tony, you know, put women in the main event, especially somebody of Sheeta's level, than not. But I, it doesn't mean it's not worth critiquing that, you know, it, it didn't feel like a main event, I bet, to most fans in that building, um, you know, for Anna Jay to be in that position. Um, Eric, your thoughts?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's really easy for Tony Khan to make the symbolic gesture of putting a woman's match in the main event slot or in the, in the, in the final quarter, quarter eight quarter seven and eight because the last quarters six seven and eight on aew almost every week follow the same ratings pattern of you know shedding a hundred thousand viewers right give give or take and so to to brian's point he tony khan get there you know a side benefit tony khan gets the the brownie points of catering to people who are you know super women's wrestling fans uh, on the internet and and vocal about that a very vocal minority and and he doesn't, you know, risk having a really super important thing that he thinks could draw ratings die in the um, in the in the last three quarters, right? Especially quarter eight. Uh, EW just the, the ratings just it's it's consistent enough now that it's it's a factual pattern that's been established. So, uh, Bryant, if you thought. Hikaru Shida and Anna Jay wasn't that good of a match. And, uh, and I would agree with you. Wait till you see rampage featuring Soraya versus sky blue. Uh, the the only saving grace of that one i would be willing to bet will be that they can edit the hell out of it um to to cover up for the botches and and miss moves and 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 sky not knowing what to do between the moves and and soraya being um <laughs> completely uh rusty and uh not very good after all of her time off so
0: yeah um this yeah i I, again, I, I just—it almost seems like Tony putting the women in the main event, you know, a couple of weeks in a row. It's just like, there, you happy? And it's like that's not what they mean by them better. It doesn't mean just put the match on last. It means you know, do more. And I, I think they've—I think he's made improvements in that way. Uh, but this this I don't think was a great example. I mean, they've, they've celebrated Sheeta and talked about her history during the pandemic. I mean, I think they've done a decent job, um, uh, maybe a better, more than decent job, um, trying to build her up and, and talk about her. So, I mean, there's been some effort there. I don't want to say there hasn't been, but it, it is it is something that can't be built overnight or in one week either in terms of establishing just better characters and and more consistency in the booking of it. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comment section. Thank you so much.
1: So, so this tournament, um, the downside is the three matches they announced. You know, Tony Storm gets the bye. It was obvious Sheeta wasn't going to lose the belt in her first week against Dana Jay, of all people. It's obvious Britt Baker is going to beat the bunny next week on Dynamite. <laughs> and why is yeah, a bunny
0: it's... in a tournament? That's so just like, what? Correct,
1: yes. I mean, they they essentially... Especially right after in. coming back from an injury.
0: And no, no, you yeah. don't have to... No, they, they, Brian, I'm going to disagree in Eric. Was, there's no... A, a super healthy bunny is no more qualified to be in a, a tournament <laughs> she, with seven women than, than, than one coming back from injury. I agree. It is at the Wait. very bottom. It's so low. Wait, yeah. she beat Roman Reigns in the ratings that one
1: time. Come on now. She's uh, the, the real... Uh, the real ratings mover. No. Uh, yeah. No, it's one of these phony AEW tournaments where the, they're essentially booking squash matches to set up something else. Right? And, save, and, and save
0: other matches. They don't want to give away, but the tournament. Yeah, and, and, and,
1: and you know what? I mean, they needed wow. a women's title match. They needed two women's title matches, one for all in one for all out. So this, you know, obviously it's going to be Sheeta, Baker storm and, and Soraya in this four way match. Sheeta may be a transitional champion, possibly. I, I assume they were going to have a singles match between Soraya and Cheetah. I assume that was what, what was going to happen, and they were going to give Soraya the win in her home country. But um, whatever they do, they need to come out of the All In match with a clear path toward a you know some sort of one-on-one match, probably at uh, all out. And so having those four in the ring allows, you know, allows you to set up the next match. So I guess from a, you know, the, the, the lameness of this tournament in quotes aside, it it does, it makes sense from a booking standpoint. If if that's the route you're going to go.
0: Brian, back to the, the, we,
6: have, have you heard anything about Serena Deeb? I mean, she hasn't been seen since October and I'm just, wondering if maybe it's for a couple of different reasons one maybe she's pregnant number two maybe she's really badly injured or number three maybe she's just doing things behind the scenes because they could really use her right now
1: so i think wade you may have wade do you have actual reporting you can bring to bear on this that you know of or my
0: my reporting is people don't i haven't heard people don't know where she went (laughs) so that's my reporting. so
1: So, yeah, the weird part of it is that she's not even backstage, right? Even if she was injured, she could be helping in a producer role or whatever. Um, I I think I want to say it was Britt Baker was on somebody's podcast or radio show last week. And I think it was her. It was somebody in AEW who mentioned that the it's been tough on the women's division cause they've had all these injuries and then they proceeded to tick off a list of injuries, you know, uh, Jamie Hader, you know, being the most prominent one. And Deeb was listed on there as one of the injured, uh, Madison rain mm-hmm. and others. So that was the closest I've Maybe read
6: towards something or a knee.
0: Yeah. But it, even if she did, like, wouldn't you yeah, think she a- could just be, They'd the acknowledge that. Yeah, that, 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 wouldn't yeah. Be, that would not be a big mystery. So, I mean, very weird. I, I I kind of feel like if no one's saying anything, it's probably personal um, or controversial, and it might, you know, it, reporters don't usually say this, but in this case, it might be none of our business. You know, I mean, it's it's up to her to authorize AEW to release information or her through social media to release information, and she hasn't. So I, I'm not going to, you know, I think we just kind of move on and and let her as a, you know autonomous adult human being decide when she wants to be a public figure again.
6: Yeah. I've been kind of wondering what's been going on with her, but I think part of the thing is that Tony, Tony Khan's just like kind of slinging shit at the wall with the women's division, seeing what sticks and I mean, I don't think it's so much that he doesn't give a damn about women's wrestling. I mean, it's obviously not a priority for him. But, I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, because he's got, yeah. like, three other full-time jobs. But, you know, yeah. all he right, can so do better.
0: Show right along. So let's let's keep the pace right. up, Ryan. I want to move to your other topics here. All
6: right. All right. Yeah. Um, the, the tag team match between the BCC and the Lucha Brothers... That, it was okay, but you know, you shouldn't have guys kicking out a spike pile drivers twice in a row. I I mean that that just kinda saps that just kinda saps the meaning of the move and
0: Or it adds a star. It, it
6: was another thing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe maybe a drug addled star from someone judging things, but
0: not from yeah. weight it wouldn't. <laughs> no, no. That's my tone. <laughs>
6: Yeah, no, well, yeah, Wade. Wade wouldn't. Wade wouldn't have a star for that, <laughs> and I wouldn't either. But yeah, you know, it, that's like another match. I'm thinking to myself, what's the end point of all this? I mean, it's obviously to get the BCC back in a somewhat dominant position after losing blood and guts. But, you know, it, again, like what's the point? I mean. Is there, like, some unknown star tag team or something waiting in the wings to take him on or something? Because feuding with the Lucha brothers and the uh, the best friends is to steal a phrase from MJF mid. So I'm just wondering, like, what's the whole point
0: of that? Yeah, Eric, talk about the match. Talk about uh, BCC and and Moxley kind of framing them the way that he did uh, uh, tonight, too, in his promo.
1: I mean, I thought it was the... Best match on the show, but there are only four matches to choose from. Yeah. Um, so my guess would be coming out of this, they certainly seem to be building toward an Orange Cassidy Moxley match for that international title. Probably at all in would be my guess. The the best friends weren't on the show this week, but they were selling the the parking lot brawl from friday's rampage that helped uh you know stabilize ratings on rampage a little bit so it made sense that they didn't come out to make the save because given the story beats as it's played out um the last few weeks you would think they would have come out to make the save but they didn't and you also have set up if you want just the way claudio was was putting that mask on his head penta's mask on his head they have set up penta claudio for the roh title at all in or all out if they want or all in tell, or, or all in i doubt they're going to put it on the streaming show because nobody watches that um, relatively few i i did chuckle at the fact that they You know, Alex Abrahantes provided the distraction finish, finish, and the match ended with a roll up in the tights, Uh, you know, also the mask spot. So it was protecting Penta from doing a clean job because, as Todd Martin so eloquently stated on, I think it was last week's or the week before's fix, you know, nobody can do a clean job in AEW. Everybody's got to be protected. Um, And uh, so, so that was amusing. But, you know, I feel like they have they have a couple matches coming out of this. Brian, what else?
6: Um, I'll, I'll I'll stick to the trying and true three point rules because I know you guys are running short on time. So, um, the uh, I thought I'll just cover two things at once. The uh, I thought the, uh, the tag team setup for the title match between uh, FTR and the Bucks was fairly was fairly good. I mean, the Bucks got a decent win over the Hardys who, you know, let's be honest, they their best days are behind them. Maybe they should consider taking like an agent or something, you know, at least Jeff should, but, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of nice that uh, right before the Bucks talked, FDR came out and interrupted them. So it, it, that was kind of a nice setup. And Jack Perry continues to impress me. I mean, he, he plays the mannerisms just right. I mean, Obviously, the uh, entrance theme is kind of bled out of could use some improvement. But, you know, getting a big win over RVD, which, I mean, arguably is the biggest win of his career, at least over a, a name like that. But, you know, I, I just think it would be better if he had Anna and mj decide at some point. I don't know if he's planning on doing that, but that would kind of like, you know you get like the SoCal kind of spoiled arrogant guy with uh, his uh, with his fiery uh, significant other right? it, it just you know it just where Anna is at right now she's just kind of dragging and I think this could inject some fresh blood into uh, into uh, Perry's storylines I'm just wondering what your guys thoughts were on that and uh, I'll uh, hang up and uh, thanks for taking the call.
0: Cool Th- thanks Brian yeah uh, Eric go ahead first on that so I think I'm, you know, I'm slightly encouraged,
1: encouraged enough anyway, by the early returns on Jack Perry as a heel. Um, I did chuckle that RVD got the visual pinfall and hit his finisher on, on, but the ref was taken out, right? So he got, even RVD, this 52-year-old guy who probably is in for a one-off, gets protected on uh, on AEW television
0: in a loss, which which is just, you know. I, I am trying very hard He hear- can I'm trying very hard, Eric, to make it clear that when someone doesn't kick out and the fans count, the reason they're not kicking out is because there isn't a referee. Not that they couldn't have kicked out if a referee was counting. And that was shown to be true by the time a referee ran out and started counting. Uh, Jack Perry kicked out. So... I I want to destroy this idea that a visual pin counts as a pin if you don't kick out, even if there's no referee in the ring. You have a good point. I'm not completely discounting it, but we have to get past the idea that, well, that counts as a pin. If the ref was there, it would have been a three count. No, you're just laying your back. If the ref's not counting, laying your back, you're not getting beat up. Um, There's no incentive to kick out. And when he needed to, he did kick out. Yeah, I mean,
1: the wrestler doesn't always know that there's no ref, right?
0: Um, Well, they know uh, when they don't hear one. Too. Yeah. I mean, Nick Bockwinkel. Um, remember, Nick Bockwinkel said when he falls asleep on airplanes and someone comes up to him and hits hits his uh, hits his uh, uh, tray twice, he'll wake up and kick out. It's instinctive, but he's going to sleep through if there's no ref counting or no no hand slapping going on. So,
1: sure. But the practical effect for people who've been watching wrestling either through, for three weeks or three decades is it's a way to protect the guy who's losing. Well, so, right. But
0: it but it is a But I am the well worn
1: cliche has, has established that.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to get people to break from that Brains. false that false assumption that he wouldn't have kicked out if he heard the mat slap twice because I think it's kind of dumb to think he wouldn't um, or assume he wouldn't. it maybe maybe not. We don't know. but the fact that his shoulders were down for 10 seconds doesn't mean he would not have kicked out if a ref was counting. That's my point. I just trying to change that being I a think, thing. I want them to take reference? that out of the I want them to take that out of the playbook basically. I think it's dumb like oh the, I'm covering him. there's no ref here. I would have won. Well maybe, but maybe not.
7: Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8pm Eastern.
1: Todd can have a 30 minute we did discussion we did we like, did like did? four I
0: months ago I, I and Todd okay. t- I if I remember right Todd was like yeah it's a kind of a good point <laughs> so it's in the archives I I must have blocked that out of my my brain <laughs> yes, shame on you um yeah go ahead Anything more on no, that? I, I thought I thought, it was, I thought it was a no. fun RVD nostalgia match. I mean, it was, it was fine, and yeah. you know, I mean, Jack Perry gets a little rub for being in there with RVD, and yeah, I mean, Jack Perry is not being promoted as a world title challenger right now. He's being promoted as a as a young arrogant punk heel who fans are going to enjoy seeing get beat up. And I thought it was a, a fan pleasing match. And RVD looked enough like RVD and is credible enough that having uh, you know Perry celibate for him, I, I think, was fine. I mean. You know, this isn't Billy Gunn. You know, not never taking the fall and always getting the pin for two years. I mean, um, when you bring in a stout jacked in, you want to give the fans a pleasing match, and I thought Perry stood stood his ground well enough.
1: Yeah, I think. Um... I'm curious to see where they're headed with Jack Perry for all in and or all out. It would seem a hook rematch is in the offing, but the last time we saw hook, he was being moody and disappearing behind a L train and a you know, subway train <laughs> in um, New York. So yeah. I don't know if they, I don't know if they could build that up in two weeks, but maybe
0: the <laughs> hook. Give us some momentum with some of these people. Like they, they It's like Miro, you know, there's all kinds of examples. Like they're on TV and you get behind them and then they just disappear and there's no mention of them. You can't get everybody on TV every week, but you kind of want to commit to certain people and and go with them. And the start and stops with Hook, I think, hurts. Um Okay, I was hoping to hear from Tyler Sage. He attended the show, but it's late and he's driving right now, so we might not be able to call us in time. So um, we'll uh, wrap up uh, with a couple more points here from uh, J.B. Eric that we haven't gotten to. One involves uh, Hook's father, Taz. Uh, J.B. DeWright says, The way that Taz is so enraged about Jack Perry holding the FTR title makes me think that either he's getting involved in the feud in some capacity, he's strongly setting up Hook's return, or both of the above. I tend to believe it's both of the above. Um, should Taz get involved in anything, or or should he respect the boundaries of being an announcer now and and let his son do his work? And would it help or hurt Hook Tav to, to to be formally on camera, linked in an angle, standing side by side with Taz?
1: I don't think it's the worst idea to put him in the corner for a match, right? And to even to shoot videos of Taz training his son, right? I I think that that there's some juice in that if you make it a permanent thing, you risk stunting, um, so stunting hooks growth, right. On camera. And he's just going to defer to his father cause that would be his natural tendency probably. And Taz is such a domineering presence, um, in any role he plays that it, he would, you know, he'd overshadow. So, so yeah, as a one-off as a, as a Rocky, you know, style comeback, uh, I know CM Punk's probably not familiar with that, uh, uh, rocky trope but uh, most people are <laughs> um of a certain age anyway y- yeah it would uh th- that would be fine what, what do you think
0: uh i i think taz should stay away from hook and other than the commentary from a distance does that answer it for Eric? that
1: for that very reason the overshadowing thing
0: oh oh as, uh, as far well I just think Hook should be his own guy, and I think Taz is an announcer, and I don't, I don't think the overshadowing is is like a, a big concern for me. I, I don't think that would. I think I think Hook is different enough from his dad. Um, yeah, I just my. Yeah, I think he's different enough from his dad. He wouldn't be overshadowed. But I also think he's different enough from his dad. It wouldn't help to be in there with his dad. I just, I, I, think Hook beat his own guy, doing his own thing. Taz from a distance being the dad who's letting his son do his own thing is more respectful. Um, I guess I'm struggling with the word overshadow. I think in a sense it just would change the dynamic of how people look at Hook if they see him as this kid standing next to his dad. I think there would be a dynamic and a chemistry there that plays a little bit against what Hook has established on his own, um, you know, just being the guy with his arm crossed in the background and and then, you know, b- blossoming from there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cole, Adam Cole saying the ROH take titles mean as much to him as AW take titles is completely awful and tone deaf. This is when the issue of mixing AW and ROH and the mixing of all the titles truly comes into play. At least the Roderick Strong aspect makes the connection to ROH make more sense, but Cole couldn't have known that before his promo in kayfabe. I didn't really have a problem with that because Adam Cole, you know, can speak to ROH being a big part of his life and career and and ROH is is the the prequel to AEW and you know what it at least initially stood for and to a degree still does. I, I was more okay with this. Um I don't have a hard and fast no ROH on AEW TV. I think it should this is the exception that shows how it can be utilized well, frankly. Um, and if they don't do other things, Cole talking about his history with, with this brand and how important it is to him. That works for me.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a plot device, right? I think, uh, but both the, the, the well, Cole is filling in the backstory for for people who don't know ab- about his time with the Kingdom, allied with the Kingdom. But the ROH tag titles are just, you know, they're they're disposable uh, in this case, and they're just they're just a way to to plot device to move the story along. So I'm, uh, if they were doing it with the actual AEW tag team titles, I never really liked it when WWE did that, but um, back in the day with like the odd couple tag team holding mm. the titles before yeah. their pay-per-view main event, but mm-hmm. um, you know, not a lot of harm with the secondary belts that, that haven't been super established.
0: Yeah. JB uh, also says, should AW be running what is essentially three tournaments in what is basically a month's time? I love a tournament as much as the next guy, but there does come a point of diminishing returns in my opinion. Yeah, I mean Eric, too many battle royals, too many tournaments. Um, it, it, it It's a crutch and there's enough TV time that You know, Tony Khan's so driven by, will this segment draw ratings? Will this segment draw ratings? That there's this big picture of, do you want to protect your championships by having things that maybe in the minute by minutes don't do as well as something else you could put in there? But in the long run, protecting your titles and giving meaning to title matches will actually deliver more ratings overall in the long run than battle royals and tournaments as a crutch because you don't want to dedicate TV time to establishing wins and losses in other ways.
1: So... I don't think four years in Tony Khan has displayed any very much little to no uh, discipline to do that. Right. Um, Whether that's because he's juggling too many things with the Jaguars and the Fulham premier league soccer team and over in the UK and AEW dynamite and his analytics business and and whatever else he's got going on, whatever the case may be um, there's just, you know, the ranking system was a joke and then it was, never to be heard from again so this is just how he books and you know i mean there aren't a lot of places where they do let people you know it's not 80s wwe when when the heel comes in and they have a bunch of um lower card and then mid card matches before they get the run with hogan and it's logically built and you can see oh they're setting up terry funk to challenge hulk hogan right and he's going to lose to the junkyard dog as the gate Fit, you know gatekeeper face uh semi-main face to, to to get to the to the hogan match and they did that with heel after heel um they just don't you know just not doing that now right. i'd like to think if tony khan finally gets his big billion dollar tv deal that he will relax a little bit and exhale Mm -hmm. and realize he can let things breathe and maybe book book in that way. But I'm not going to hold my breath over that. Um, I think it's, yeah, that said they've sort of in very small ways been doing, I I only have one example I can point to, but I think there have been a couple, they have been giving people wins on rampage. uh, Like last, last Friday, Anna Jay got a win over Sky Blue to establish her ahead of the Sheeta match. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's not ideal, but at least it was something. You know? I mean, they're doing. There's another example or two that, that don't immediately pop to mind because there's so much wrestling every week yeah. that it's it's hard to remember this stuff. You forget it two seconds after it's done. They've at least had a fig leaf of that recently, but but by and large, the record is not strong
0: on that point. No, and and if they do do the matches, I mean, they don't have AW Dark to point to anymore, but. You know, as, as a place where they can kind of have an undercurrent of someone on a win streak, and then that comes up on the record book. But I, I would like to see enough done where they can put a little video package together that says, all right, you know, you guys have seen it. There's uh, this, you know, Wrestler X has been on a hot streak, and here's here's three wins over the last five weeks over contenders. And, the, and I'd love for them to refer to some, you know— championship committee and not just Tony Khan, like create, create a sense that there's this board of people evaluating wins and losses. And it's not just the record, it's quality of wins. And, and, um, and, you know, kind of like UFC, if you already had a chance, it takes a little longer than if you haven't had a chance, that kind of thing, just create a more sports like vibe, like the initial press release touted and, and, and be able to have that story to tell. And they just don't have the story to tell. And everything is just kind of, kind of rushed, but you know, it, it comes down, like you said, there's a tracker to Tony and then there's, he's spread thin um, with you know multiple jobs and duties and all that. but yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm not going to bet on it, but I, I don't rule out that maybe if he gets a new TV deal, he'll exhale a little bit and, and just kind of do what he thinks is right instead of what he has to do in the short term um, because he's worried about slippage. We invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is Wade Podcast at pwtorch.com. That's Wade Keller podcast at pwtorch.com. dot com. Also, welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at pwtorch and follow me at the Wade Keller. That's at pwtorch and at the Wade Keller. Uh, uh, JB says, "I do think Dynamite's doing a good job promoting big stories and matches on Collision on a weekly basis. W- what do you think about the the chemistry? Or the, the I don't know if chemistry's word. The uh, um, I guess." I'm losing my vocabulary here. The the dynamic that's been established, a synergy uh, between the two shows. That's what I'm looking for. Is there a synergy now that they've kind of tapped into by showing highlights of of one show on the other? And 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 you know, there was a commercial in the first commercial break. They had a uh, um, a commercial for Collision, and it was noteworthy because they they showed a lot of the wrestlers who have so far been pretty much exclusive to Collision, but. Um, this was actually during the first commercial break in the opening match. And so, but they, they also showed the names of wrestlers on the screen. They showed, um, Rusev and they put his name on the screen. Same with Thunder Rosa, Andrade, CM Punk, Bullet Club, Samoa Joe, and FTR. They also put it in MGF because he's a world champ of both shows. They did show Scorpio Sky, Powerhouse Hobbs, Willow Nightingale, and Ricky Starks. They did not put their names on the screen though, which I don't, you know, could be happenstance or an accident. But like if they're really behind Ricky Starks and they believe he's a draw and a, and a star of collision, you'd think they'd put his name on the screen and not just flash an image of him. So it's just something to keep an eye on that I made made note of. But they are, in that video, through names on screen or just the flashes of the images, letting Dynamite viewers know if you miss these people or you wonder where they went or you're fans of them, they're doing stuff on Saturday nights. You need to be watching. Uh, and I think that's a a good strategy. I'd like something a little more defined and concrete, but I, I understand you know, Tony maybe easing into it, not not wanting to go that far. Uh, my pref- my vote would be to go that far and, and really establish more of more of a, a definition between them. But I think he feels that'd be too limiting. You know, in terms of having so many of the like the mid card people be just on one show, and that would limit the matchups on the other. Um, your your thoughts on the synergy?
1: Um, I think it's smart business to promote. Um, you know, to show show what happened in case you're only watching one of the two shows it, it's just it's smart business because even i mean collision and dynamite have been fairly close to split brands right there is not a ton of overlap yeah there's a little there was a little bit of mjf and cole right coming over to challenge ftr and but 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 by and large it's 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 far closer to two separate crews than I figured it would be, uh, would be right. I thought they would ha- have even less discipline than this. I don't think you're going to ever going to get Tony Khan to be that disciplined to do that. It's just too big of a pain in the ass and it, it, for him. And it's not that much, um, not that much of a gain probably from, from his mind, but I, it, the, the collision roster has, has always struck me as small In the first, you know, opening, what, seven, eight episodes? Mm -hmm. And I I feel like at some point they're going to run out of storylines, right? Mixing and matching. And you're going to need to bring in fresh blood because there's so many more wrestlers on Dynamite and Rampage than there are Collision. And so um, that's good because, I mean, you almost, the way it's played out so far, and we only have two months of of data points, but um, six, seven weeks maybe, but it's it's almost like the acts can go between the shows and you know get a refresh get a little bit of a refresh potentially if they keep if they keep this sort of how they're doing it um tonight's tonight's dynamite i was thinking of you i counted i stopped counting at six recap packages <laughs> i think two of them were were collision collision recaps and the rest were like recaps setting up the matches or angles that were um taking place on tonight's uh dynamite and it they were short enough for the most part that they didn't overstay their welcome yeah I, I know i historically have make fun of you for you know poke fun at you or try to have fun at your expense at, at you being mr recap guy but i i've never disagreed that it's okay to have recaps i just didn't want five minute wwe pay-per-view style recaps i, I just wanted them to get in and out for me personally because I don't need the refresher, but but I know that it would benefit some audience members who are only following one show or who, who duck out um, to watch sports or whatever on certain Wednesdays and Saturdays. So um, I like that they're two different shows. It's weird for me to say because I just dislike CM Punk and I'm so done with him. I don't deny his <laughs> he's got undeniable talent. I'm just personally done with the guy. I just I, – and it is directly the result of sitting there and watching him have his temper tantrum. He was ten feet away from me at that all-out uh, media media availability after the last year's all-out, um, so, and then the sort of blatant manipul- media manipulation Punk was doing as he was you know coming back uh, in the spring. But I really like Collision um, most weeks. Um, I like the, you know, the Saturday Night Main Event style opening promos. I even like the 50-year-old Elton John song that doesn't exactly make you hip, but it just works. I love screaming, you know, Saturday four times, five times as the song is playing in the <laughs> intro. It's it's fun, and it's been closer to a throwback show, uh, which is going to appeal to me, an older viewer, as much as it pains me to say I am not at the 18-49 to 49 demo anymore. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh and I don't, so I like collision more because it has, it doesn't have any of the WWE elements that, that have cropped up on dynamite pretty much since about March after the revolution pay-per-view. Um, and, uh, but, 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 you know, and I know I've spent the last two hours criticizing many uh, parts of tonight's Dynamite. I still gave tonight's show a thumbs up. I still like Dynamite <laughs> most weeks. It's a fast-paced show. There's just certain aspects I don't like that that are WWE-like, and and um. In, and I'm in the minority on that, night. that's fine. But um, to answer your question, bottom line is, yeah, I like the dynamic so far. The, the difference between the two and that they're cross promoting. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think they're doing a good job. I do, um, and I, I I think it's in the in the realm of of a good job. I mean, I I don't know that I have a real strong uh, feeling that they should be doing anything differently. But I think there's different ways they could be doing it that would also work, but having a little video package recapping what happened and, and a commercial break showing who the stars are um, and a little bit of crossover because of Wembley and FTR and the Bucks. It, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I think it's good. Yeah. You gotta be, you need
1: to remind people constantly, right? It's not always yeah. top of mind. There's so much wrestling on TV. It, it just makes complete sense to do that on both shows. And, Plus it needs a little bit of time.
0: And and Elton John is great. He is timelessly great. And I think we we did a poll online because uh, Todd Martin had questioned whether it was too dated. It's an understandable thing. And I put it online and I asked what demographic you're in. And younger people were more into Elton John than older people in our poll. And it was overwhelmingly positive that they were using Elton John, a 50-year-old song from Elton John, in our, in our Twitter poll. And it was by a wide margin younger people who were under 30, I think is where I split it, or under 35. They were way more into it than even people over 35 who I think just get a little insecure about, oh, uh, that was my music or – I felt that was too old for me when I was in my twenties. So imagine how twenty-year-olds feel now. But I think it went full circle, and it was a great choice by Tony Khan. And I told him that, and and he, he liked that. I liked his, his his music. He let me know right away on DM um, that that I, I endured that I was he was happy that I was happy that he picked that. But he doesn't know what a big fan of Elton John I am either. And but I think the Saturday 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 thing is really smart. Um, it's like WWE with a 9.99 when they first launched WWE Network. Like you say, Eric, repetition is important in advertising, and pushing that Saturday thing, I, I think is really smart, and I, I think it's going to ultimately help ratings. Um, one funny note from uh, JB: Here he goes. Uh, the camera better be on high alert for Britt Baker against Bunny next week. He goes, that's certainly a choice. Um, so uh, a little little dig at uh, at Bunny and Britt, but not not. Uh, Uncalled for. Got a couple more emails on Swerve Strickland and the Embassy and Hangman Page. We're going to get to that in a VIP exclusive after show, a little extra for our VIP members. So if you're listening to this on the ad free VIP version of our uh, podcast feed, then stay tuned. We're going to get right to those emails. If not, you can go VIP and hear the rest of the show. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. So many perks. Ad free version of the, of the website, 30 plus years of archives. And uh, new exclusive podcasts on a daily basis, including new content and our reposting of our 18 years ago early podcasts covering right now the year 2005 with with new updates um, throughout the month. Dozens of uh, of retro shows, so lots of cool stuff. pwtorch.com/slash VIP. Thanks everybody for listening. And again, VIP members, stay tuned. We're going to get right to the after show uh, to the rescue. We'll uh, hopefully talk to you on Friday night after SmackDown. invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. That's wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. Also welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at pwtorch and follow me at the Wade Keller. That's at pwtorch and at the Wade Keller. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comment section. Thank you so much.
2: Are you a nostalgic wrestling fan? Do you want to hear about shows you haven't seen in 10, 20, maybe even 30 years? Well, I have the show for you. I'm PWTorch.com contributor Frank Pettiani, and since December of 2020, I've hosted Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back and review old shows from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what's taking place now to what took place then. You can hear this along with other shows as part of your PWTorch VIP membership with exclusive podcasts just for members, compatible with the Apple Podcast app. Visit pwtorch.com/goVIP for details and sign up form. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history.
0: Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
6: Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com.
4: Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Wrestling Paradise at VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger. And our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise.
0: Now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny, active days. Or you might just be looking for a quick meal to heat up for all the big summer pro wrestling shows that you're going to settle in for and watch at home. Well, Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and they can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for reaching your goals. If you're too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well with Factor, skip that extra trip to the grocery store, the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and save money compared to delivery. Plus, you don't have to wait around for it, and it's not greasy, fried stuff that's cold by the time you get it. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy and then get back outside to soak up the warm weather or settle in for a good meal while watching wrestling. You can stick to your wellness goals with premium ready-to-eat meals featuring high-quality ingredients. Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon, ready in just two minutes. There are vegetarian, vegan, and protein-plus options depending on your diet choices. They also feature lunch-to-go options, effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go, no microwave required. They also have calorie-smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving, but the nutrient density will give you the fuel you need to get through the day. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. So this July, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. I am a customer. I love Factor Meals. I enjoy picking the meals out from the selection each week and looking forward to trying some new things and having some of my Factor favorites. So head to factor75.com slash 50 or use code Wade50 to get 50% off. That's code Wade50 at factor75.com slash 50 to get 50% off.
5: Longing for some nostalgia? Or maybe you want to learn some wrestling history? Don't miss the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. Alex and Patrick will transport you 30 years into the past by taking you through the Torch issue from that very week. Follow news from the WWF and WCW and all the happenings from across the wrestling industry in real time as the Torch reported it 30 years ago. That's the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed.
0: Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Weight Killer Pro Sync Podcast, Weight Killer Pro Sync Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP-exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. pwtorchcom slash govip. It's a new year, so why not treat yourself to a PW Torch VIP membership and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed and a ton of VIP exclusive audio shows such as the new Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE series that I record throughout the week, dedicated to a focus look at WWE news and a focus look at at AEW News, along with commentary, analysis, and Q&A with VIP member listeners. Plus our post-pay-per-view, VIP exclusive roundtables, and so much more. Plus over 35 years of archives of podcasts, radio shows, newsletters, articles. Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip tells you all about membership. So why not make 2022 the year that you enjoy all the benefits that come with a PW Torch VIP membership.
7: Every Sunday night, catch wrestling night in America on pwtorchdailycast.com hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern.
0: Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week, packed with my TV reports, along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay per view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a pro wrestling torch newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99 or try us for an eight week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper